You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 18. You guys can talk. I, I, I love the echo from last week. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Oh, a little yes. echo. Yeah, yeah. I put like yeah. <laughs> There was, you know, I... And, go ahead. I never, I never listened to Oh, I I I tend to to watch, like listen to the voicemails and 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 the beginning and and ending the closing track. But between the echo on the woohoo, um, my uh, my response to something Vince said last week with, with Robert. Wait, wait, which was it? Oh, the uh, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Yeah, and uh, and, then, the and then love of God. Yeah, I know. And and then when I when I said Jack Davis when we were talking about Campbell, he goes, "You bitch!" <laughs> awesome shit, man. All right. Uh, hey. Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of Eleven O'clock Comics. I am, as always, Vince B. I'm uh, Christopher Naisman. I'm David Price. And I'm Brian Michael Bendis. And oh. I manage Robert Kirkman. Oh no! No, see, he's plugged in right from the very beginning. He doesn't. These kids, Bendis doesn't just want. He doesn't want you just, you know, using his name to prove a point. Right. Okay, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. Then uh, I'm B. Clay Moore, and I love you, Robert Kirkman. (laughs) Forever with the agenda, Mister (laughs) Wood. What's going on, boys? Ah, Doing well. I. I am so eager to get into this episode. I've been fucking dreading this all day. Oh, no. no. I, I am feeling so snarky right about now. So, all right. Well, and, it, and, it, and it has nothing to do with the topic at hand. Yes. Well, let's rein this it is in. This for Julian Lytle. Julian, we're bringing the heat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's uh, rein it in a little bit and state our purpose before we get into it. This week, we are going to dispense with our typical anti-format equation and actually have some kind of structure to the show and talk about Robert Kirkman's recently released video and subsequent talk with John the Man Suntress on his plans to revitalize or, in quotes, save the comic book industry. It's a, it's a very hot topic. It's something that has been bantered and and lobbed back and forth on a ton of message boards for uh just a cause because it's very important and it's something that we all should be thinking about from time to time not every day but uh there's a problem and it needs fixing so we decided hey this is perfect for our first structured episode such as it is it's not going to be structured but this is what we're going to call it and uh we're 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 very eager to get into it but uh first let chris Shimmy on down to his drink thing. Okay, this I can look forward to. Uh, The drink (laughs) roll call. Um, Wood, this might be our our last chance to uh, to pucker up to each other. What what are you drinking? (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, so I was trying very hard searching the web to find a drink that might be befitting of uh, the topic tonight. So I looked for something called like a Big Mouth or a Bloviator or a Big Ego (laughs) Uh, but I couldn't find any drinks that fit that, so I uh, went for a run before the show to kind of clear my head, and I listened to Snoop Dogg, Doggy Snile, while I was running. So I'm drinking some good old gin and juice, a little nice. Tanqueray, a little orange juice. Very good. And, and, and no matter what we say, at, at the end of the night, Wood, I'll still love you. 
It's all about the love. <laughs> Mr. Price, what are you, uh, what are you uh, having on ha- uh, uh, having tonight? See, I already can't talk. I'm, That's I'm, it. Uh, uh, well, again, not because of the topic at hand, but because of how I'm feeling. Um, I'm having a whiskey sour. There you go. You have nice. a sour taste in your mouth, don't you? Uh, conceptual. I, I have, always, I have, always go I have with a, the conceptual. I have a sour mood. I'll put oh. it that way. Well, we are here to bring you some love, my brother. I know. My drink <laughs> for this uh, episode was found in the dumpster back behind the high school. <laughs> I had to wrestle a bum for it. It is oh, a, a bottle of Boone's Farm. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. We're getting raw tonight. Boone's? <laughs> it's... it's it's not the Strawberry Hill wine stuff. Oh, wow. This is the Mountain Berry Malt Beverage with Natural and Artificial Flavors, <laughs> one pint, 9.4 fluid ounces. I, I, My wife was out and about, and I said, if you're near a convenience store, go grab me one of those. What did I have last week? A uh, the, the Bacardi. Bacardi's, yeah. Yeah. Pritzer. So they didn't have Bacardi, and my wife doesn't drink. She has, Alcohol has never passed my wife's lips. Never. Really? Yes. So she doesn't know. Wait, no, no, wait. How does that explain your marriage? I was just going to say. She's attracted to intelligent men, I guess. Um, Or those standing next to one. Right. That's funny. So (laughs) she she just grabbed something because they didn't have the Bacardi, and this is what I got. And actually, it's really not bad. It's got a little bit of an aftertaste, and there's some, like, cheese sandwich on the side from where where it landed in the dumpster, but it's awesome. I I tell you what – Drink it over ice. It's not that bad. And uh, if you want to get really silly, um, put a little uh, um, like soda water or something in there. Give it a little uh, little fizz. Chris even has recipes for crap. That's amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I, I just say that because uh, around our house, we've been known to have the Boone's Farm uh, with a little uh, uh, raspberry Lacroix. You know the uh, um, the carbonated water. It's a nice little summer drink. Yeah. It's quite refreshing, actually, and the, and the illustration on the bottle is, you know, very cheerful. <laughs> well, that's not. Uh, I'm keeping it simple this week. Uh, I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking some Booker's Bourbon, neat. So uh, just uh, just an ice cube and some Booker's Bourbon, which I think is uh, one of the finest sipping whiskeys on the planet. And uh, if you want to know a little bit more about uh, Booker's Bourbon and my unhealthy obsession with bourbon, you can read all about that at ifanboy.com right now. Truck on over there for uh, comic shots. It's my weekly article talking about uh, booze and comic books and how the the two should uh, should be combined to uh, make a fulfilling reading experience. So there you go. Okay. I, I I probably talked about bourbon as much as I did comic books this week. <laughs> now before we get into this, and I know I probably speak for all three of you guys. But should it ever get to that point where things start to get hot, a little bit caliente, keep in mind that anything I have to say has a foundation of respect for you dudes. Okay? Just just keep that in the back of your mind. I may call you a dumbass or a dickhead, <laughs> but I, you I have, to say, I have a feeling we're setting us up to be one of the most disappointing episodes ever. Cause... No, no. Okay, I, really, knowing you, I don't think so. <laughs> hmm. I really... 
I think I got all of my uh, heat out with uh, with Sal this week, though. I, I'm much more calm about it than I was a few days ago. I'm, so, I'm oh, oh, yeah. I, I, he's on Skype. Yeah, he 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 PM'd <laughs> me and he said, "If you need another voice, I'm online." So we'll 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 try and touch base with Sal in a few. But we got to get the all preliminaries right. out of the way first. All right. Be, before we jump into this, let's. I'm going to give you guys my interpretation of Kirkman's theory and just let's see if we're all on the same page. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, Kirkman, uh, recorded a badly produced <laughs> a, a video from Audio Hell, oh, which, shit. and I'm, I'm not holding Did that they against. They record that in a fucking barn. I don't know, but it was a big friggin' room. Uh. And, and, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with the message he's delivering. I'm not picking apart the video. It's not my business. But working in audio, as I sometimes do, it was really hard to, to hear parts of that just because of the echo. But anyway, so let us remember, we are, after all, professionals going into this. Okay. So <laughs> in, in a nutshell, as I see it, Kirkman claims that in relation to the other publishers within the comics industry, Marvel and DC are doing extremely well financially in relation to the other publishers. And in an effort to grow the comic book industry, he believes that seeding the smaller publishers falling under the long, dark, oppressive shadow of the big two with talent that has proven to be bankable. They've proven their worth within the industry. They've sold a chunk of books. He believes that seeding the smaller publishers with the, with this talent will bolster the sales of the smaller guys and in turn strengthen the entire industry. In a nutshell, isn't that what he said? I think that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it. Well, that's the, that's the crux of the argument. The other stuff, well, or the, the theory. The other I stuff hinges on this. Well, well, what's the other half then? The other half is that Marvel and DC should take it upon themselves to focus on bringing in children and younger readers into the genre. And it's unreasonable to ask image or dark horse or any of the smaller publishers to do it because they don't have the resources. And I think the other part was that, you know, I think this is very, very important to, to understand whenever you're watching that is that, is that Kirkman wasn't putting that video out for, for me or, or any of us here, that was directed at creators. That I wouldn't right. call it a plea <laughs> to creators, but that was definitely a message that was being sent out to creators to consider the possibility of abandoning their mainstream work and going across the street and doing creator-owned stuff primarily. Right. And exclusively. I- I don't think yeah. he's did he say exclusively? He did. Yes, he okay. Did. Okay. Uh as it stands, I think there are a number of obstacles he is not ignoring but maybe not taking into account on this road he's trying to pave to a bigger, brighter, more profitable comic industry and uh not take, don't not taking them into account. I think the plan is a very sound one on paper. But not everything works on paper. Mm-hmm. In in it, it may work on paper, but it sure may not work in real life. So that's where I'm coming from. I agree that any creator with even the smallest shred of self-respect and you know self-worth should investigate. Not exclusively, they should investigate creator-owned work. That, uh, that that's where I'm coming from. 
Should, should we go through these point by point and maybe just roundtable it? Sure. We should also mention, too, I think, if we're going to do that, because I think that's probably the best way, that Kirkman put that manifesto out and then shortly thereafter did an interview with John Suntress, our good friend and interviewer extraordinaire, uh, for about a half hour. And, you know, John, I think, did a nice job of playing devil's advocate to really flesh out where Robert had conviction and where he maybe hadn't thought every aspect through. And then shortly thereafter, because as we also know, John is very friendly with Brian Bendis and is the you know host of the Bendis tapes. I guess Bendis was mentioned by Kirkman specifically. Um, I, I'm not I'm not quite sure based on hearing Bendis's retort that he actually listened to what Robert said. But he did. <laughs> but uh, yesterday or or this morning or at some time in the last few days, Bendis recorded with Suntress a retort interview where where John interviews him about. Um, Kirkman's stance and, and it gives Bendis a chance to express uh, his disagreement with a lot of the points. So I think you know I think it's important to mention that there's kind of the the whole the whole totality of this. I think we're kind of be touching on because I at least for my stance I while I certainly think Kirkman had some flaws in what he said I I have to say I don't think Bendis did the most credible job of staking the counterpoint because as I just alluded I don't think he really listened to what Robert said and took it more personally than I think Kirkman intended. Sure, and and I'll just say this. I, I believe that both guys are coming from very extreme positions, and I think this is a case where a lot of the truth is in the middle. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. Cause, right, because Kirkman is ultimately advocating doing it his way, which is, sure. you know, he's he's a wildly successful, probably right now the most successful guy in terms of his creator-owned work, Um and he's he's obviously just joined Image, so I think he's seeing it as I've I did it. Why can't someone else? And and that's I could understand why he'd see it that way. And flip side, Mike, you know, Brian Bendis is, if not the highest compensated, right up there among the most I'm sure highest compensated mainstream uh, writers right now, and is probably loving his life. So he sure he's he's he's, yeah. he's the he's the company you know yep. man right. He's the golden yep. boy at Marvel. So yeah. he's he's their poster boy. Right. Um, king king of the dung heap. Yeah. Well, keep it civil, damn it. Well, no, okay. Oh, just, and 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 let, let me let me just explain that a little bit, okay? Short short term working for Marvel and DC is not a bad thing mm-hmm. by by any means. It it offers a lot of aspiring, very talented people an opportunity to break into the comic industry and show people what they can do. That's that that's great. That you know it that's the way part of it should be done because as we all know starting off as an indie creator and trying to uh push your material is very difficult. Ask Steve Bryant, ask you know Mike Norton, anybody. It it's very tough to get noticed. So guys that start at Marvel and DC have part of the uh stumbling blocks towards success taken away from them they don't have to prove that their characters are sound because these sound these characters have been around for tens of years uh, 50 and 60 years in some cases so that part of the uh barrier between you and the reader is erased they already know who superman is spider-man is instantly recognizable that part of the problem is gone you don't have to prove anything like invincible i'm sure there are many people who took a look at that book and said just another superhero book i don't know if i want to be because that character is not recognizable 
So that part is great. Get in there, prove what you can do, and then get the hell out because at the heart of the work made for hire program that Marvel and DC work for, work with, it, it's a parasitic thing. They, they, they're, they're taking the best and brightest and taking their artwork and their, their concepts and profiting from them and giving the, the, the artistic people and the creative people very little compensation in relation to what they are giving Marvel and DC. And this goes back to something that Chris says all the time, Wood even mentioned it on an older episode, where's all the new characters at Marvel and DC yeah. after, after Wolverine? Where the hell are they? Mm-hmm. Well, well okay, you know, the, the, re- the reason why is because that someone's not going to offer up a great character to one of these companies for free. Bingo. You know, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why I say it's a sucker bet. I'm not saying that anybody who works for Marvel or DC are dumbasses. That's far from what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is make a name for yourself and get the hell out. That's one of the things I most agree with Kirkman on. It's, and if you can kill those two very big birds with one stone, um, creator freedom and bolstering the comic industry by taking your well-worn talent out of the Marvel DC pool and bringing it somewhere else, everybody wins, but on paper they win. Right. Well, I guess that's exactly the point where I start to disagree with him. I, I think again, I think it's fair to say, cause I, I don't exactly know where David stands on this, but I know at least from talking to, to Vince and Chris, I, I certainly think I'm going to come across as the most uh, opposed to Kirkman's stance, but if you go to the image forums after he made the video, I actually complimented him on his viewpoint. I, I think it's a genuine viewpoint. I don't think I think he did himself no favors by starting off the treatise by saying he was doing this to save the industry. I think it, you're you're sort of inviting the, the criticism of that because it's a very. I think it was absolutely. Say. I think it was absolutely brilliant to do it that way, and. I'll, I'll let you finish, but I want to interject sure. real quick. Oh, I think um, it was calculated. I, I just think it, it probably absolutely calculated. And he came in with an extreme message that I think is going to have some small ripple effects through the industry. Mm-hmm. If you know, and, and I think you understand this, would it? You, you kind of overshoot what you want to do whenever you're looking at a big change like this, we're talking about a monumental change in the dynamics of the industry. You can't do that by starting with a small message. Mm-hmm. You can't do that by saying, hey, why don't you make just one out of one out of every five of the projects that you work on, why don't you make that a creator-owned project if you're a writer? Do you think it, if he came out with that kind of message that we would be talking about this or anybody would give a shit about his message? But coming out and saying all of the veteran talent out there should stop working mainstream comics and only work creator. You think that's going to stir it up a little bit, and that's exactly what he did. I don't think that's exactly what he wants to happen or is suggesting to happen, but having an extreme message like that is going to be more apt to to actually bring about some change. Sure, sure, but I think what he did, and I don't, I certainly don't think he intended to incite the public disappointment or disagreement from other creators of the stature of Bendis or even, you know, our friend Mike Norton is, is, you know, took some offense to some of the things that were said. 
Um, so I, I think that while he probably made the calculated risk, I don't know if it was the way – I guess if I were doing it, I would have started it off. But he says – he said it. He, he He's obviously getting to the point we're doing a whole show on it. But I think to, to get back to the point here, it's that I, I, I think his message is well-intended. Uh, I think he genuinely loves comic books. He says repeatedly in the in, in the the manifesto that that he reads Marvel and DC. He's he's a fanboy. He loves superhero comics. Um, so I, I think it's well intended. Again, I think though that he understandably looks at his own path to success and thinks that's the way. And I think in uh, making that almost a quasi religious mantra in that video, he. Um, makes it all too easy for people to dismiss it. Because, again, I think where his his logic really falls flat, uh, and it's also probably the biggest real hurdle to this ever happening, is the notion that a creator could make a quote-unquote good living uh, by just focusing solely on creator-owned comics. Because I do not believe, and no one will convince me, that there are more than a handful of top-name writers in the business that someone would go and read their stuff solely because they were putting out creator-owned stuff. I do not believe he made to mention. He says, you know, if you're if you're writing Spider-Man and your own book, they're going to read Spider-Man. But if you're just writing your own book, they'll buy your book. I don't fundamentally believe that. I don't believe that most people buying Ultimate Spider-Man and New Avengers would read Powers if Bendis left Marvel. I genuinely don't believe that. I don't think there's any precedent for it. Just like I don't believe most people are reading Robert Kirkman's Walking Dead and Invincible because they love Marvel Zombies. I believe they're reading it because he wrote two damn good books. So the real question is, can people that are working at Marvel and DC that are quote-unquote big names, do they have the chops to come up with their own great idea and give it their all? If they could do that, I think they could make their own living. But I don't think there's that many guys that either have the confidence or drive to do that. I don't think a lot of those guys want to do that. Now, see, that's one one of the parts where I agree with you. In, and I think it's one of the biggest obstacles in his, in the success of his plan. And it has to do with Jeff Johns and Bendis and writers of that level. Because let's be honest, the reason, uh, the reason that Bendis is so damn successful at Marvel is not because he's a great writer. Now, granted, that's part of it, but, but, but it's not the main reason. The main reason is because he knows the, the characters he writes. He knows Marvel characters better than any other writer employed at that company. I will argue that fact because the man is damn good. And he writes those characters better than anybody else at that company. You take Bendis away from Marvel and you've erased the thing that makes him unique. He's just an, another writer somewhere else. He's not Bendis anymore because Bendis is New Avengers. And mm-hmm. Bendis is Ultimate Spider-Man. Well, I would say I, I think Jeff Johns is an even better example of that. Right. I, I, of Jeff course. Johns has given no indication he's ever he even really has intentions or wants to write something. I mean, he loves you know he was talking about the Flash and the Flash, but he loves the DC characters. And I would have to say I don't know that there's anyone else on the earth that gets the DC universe as well as he does. Yeah, right. I mean, what what Johns is doing, what what guys like Mark Wade. Uh, and I think you had brought that up. What uh, that, that's that's different, and I don't know if that should enter into the conversation. What we're talking about, what those guys do okay. with legacy characters, is is a very special and, and specialized thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. well then, say uh, let let's erase Bendis and, and Johns from the equation. John Romita Jr. Well, he's an what, artist, though. I think it's different. Well, a create artists can create creator create own projects. They Mark can, Hammer. but okay. I, Kirkman's mantra geared towards writers, and he said as much because he is a writer. And I think 
again, it's a little different. I think writers oh, well, because writer, well, throw, just my okay, but my point on this the difference is a writer can do both. We Brubaker can write criminal and Captain America in the same month. A a penciler cannot legitimately put out twelve issues of his own book a year and do something for Marvel and DC unless you're Mark Bagley. So I do think it's a big distinction and one that has to be made in this conversation because so, so you his, can straddle the fence as a writer. You really can't as an illustrator. So so you're you're saying basically his uh, proposal just targets writers primarily. Well, majority, majority, he was yeah. focusing on writers and said as much. But what I'm saying is. In terms of the debate here as to my point being that I think you can straddle the fence, I, I would say I couldn't make that point if, if I were talking about a penciler like J.R.J.R. I mean, J.R.J.R. can't come up with his own concept. Or let's use Mike Norton. I mean, he, he couldn't just say, guys, I'm going to put out 12 issues of Gravity and stay on D- SDC you know, and, and do a DC book every month. He just I don't yeah. think he has the, 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 the time to do that. So I do think there's a distinction here. Yeah. Okay. But go, but sorry, it sounded like David wanted to chime in. No, I was, I was just going to agree with you that yeah, this this seems to work better for writers because they can maybe it might be easier for them to take that gamble. Where if if they try a you know if Bendis wanted to take a few months off and and give an, a, a a an original content or a creator owned work, he could do that, but. You know, if a penciler, if an artist is only going to produce 20, 22 pages a month, I can see where, where Kirkman is saying, then, you know, choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. But then that's that's where he, he loses me with the, you know, you're, you're asking people to, <laughs> to risk, risk a lot, yeah. you know, risk, risk a paycheck, risk, risk paying the bills. In, mm-hmm. in in the short term, you're asking them to risk a paycheck, but in the long term, you're giving them the opportunity to lock in their financial future. I think it's worth the risk. You're saying because of the green field opportunity, i.e., they own it so they could be collecting money off of it for the next 50 sure. years. Is what sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I, I get I that. I think that's – Sure, that's at the heart of what he's saying, right? I mean he, he's saying that Walking Dead sells 15,000 or 25,000 – copies a, a month and, and Invincible is 15,000 copies a month. These are his numbers, not, not mine for all of you. Mm-hmm. People that are going to say, oh, diamond numbers don't count. These are Kirkman's numbers, not mine. Sure, sure. And Kirkman made the point that you know Invincible rarely is in the top 100, but he makes a quote-unquote good living doing it. So um, I, and, I understand and, that. Let me, let me chime in with another one of the numbers that he threw out there, and I'm very interested if these are accurate. And these, This is what Kirkman said, and it blew me away. He said that The Walking Dead has sold 100,000 copies yeah. of each volume of the trade. That's Guys, insane. That's almost, that's almost a million fucking copies of The Walking Dead out there. Um, yeah, he said yeah, that. If that's true, he's, he's, he's made millions. Right. So yeah, I, I, he's doing all right. Yeah. But um, where, does, where, where, where does he live? He lives in Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky, yeah. So, so a good living in Kentucky is not going to be the same as a good living in Atlanta or New York or California. Or so it, 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 or so it, it does it. That also, I think, needs to because he mentioned a good living a few times. So it, it and without giving any hard numbers, it's it's hard to say what's a good living for him to what's a good living to someone who's got a family and, and three kids to feed. Yeah. Well, I, I think his whole point is is waking people up to the fact that you know what it it, it 
something that has been totally discounted in the past is possible. You can survive by making creator-owned books. I think that was his point more than anything. And what constitutes a good living, That's I don't know if that really matters. That, shouldn't, yeah, that, you're, is, that sh- but shouldn't be a is, factor in the is, equation. Is, is, Why is, should it be? People are trying. They do this for vocation. They're not doing this ser- solely because their passion is to create. They're doing this to make a living. I mean, Mike well, Norton's sure. got rent to pay. I mean, his, you know, uh, Freddie Williams has, you know, a wife and a, and a baby. Jamal Eigel has a wife and a newborn at home. Uh, well, I, I think there's a living. big difference between a couple million bucks on a million trades and eking out a living. Again, Kirkman. First of all, I, I don't. I mean, I, I agree, Chris, that he said those numbers and they stunned me too. If they're mm-hmm. true, great, but he, they, w- they would also, again, far and away prove the point that pretty much everyone agrees with, which is Kirkman is far and away right now an outlier in this industry. And, and why, why, it, why is that, Wood? Because, well, because, he's mainly, because he did yeah, it. Because he did it, exactly. <laughs> because he did it, and that's what he's saying. He's like, I'm 29 years old. I'm just... Guys, but he's, he's not a, the only he's one. He's a hillbilly writing. from Kentucky who yeah, has but, some really good ideas and is a pretty good writer. You know what? He's not fucking Superman. True, if, true, if, true. If, but if, he's not what the he's only. saying is that if I did it, so can you. Yes, he's you can. You, 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 you can try. Or an Oni book or an ape book. He's not the only guy putting what? out a, a indie book. He's sure, the only sure. guy out of literally hundreds, though, that actually has managed to find a book that actually increases in sales. That's why he's the outlier. But no one else is doing it. There's not any other person whose book goes up. Yeah, he's an anomaly there, but he is so far and away from anyone else that that the next people down, what he's saying is that you can still make a living doing this. It's like, I, I think yeah, he but see, knows... That's the question, though. I, I, I hear a lot of creators like Andy Parks was on the boards talking about this. Mike Norton was talking about it. They don't believe him, and they're creators because I th- because I there's th- there there's 16 creator-owned books last month that sold more than 10,000 copies. Even with Kirkman's numbers, he's selling about 40,000 issues a month and then very well in the trade. So even that, he's basically doing four times what anyone else – in the creator own world is doing, and he's making. I think, I, I think everyone is looking at diamond numbers. People are looking at at floppy comics. Um, look at a guy like Jeffrey Brown. I, you know, he doesn't live in a in a cardboard box. He's doing stuff for for Top Shelf and Simon and Schuster. It's creator owned stuff. It's just mm-hmm. not in a lot of local comic shops. And I think that is a problem. Is that we're all looking at number one through the spyglass of this two hundred thousand consumer base that we get locked into that goes to the local comic shop. And we're getting locked into the direct market. That isn't the that isn't the end of the rainbow here. That's not that's not the the ultimate you know mass market that people are looking at. You know, I had mentioned to you in a couple emails this week. Look at a guy like David Peterson. Man, mm-hmm. Mouse Guard doesn't get sold into a lot of local comic shots, but that book is kicking ass at the bookseller market. That's not going to get talked about on a lot of message boards as him being a creator-owned sure. um, you know, comic producer, mm-hmm. but 
he he's a success story, and I'll and I'll guarantee you that David Peterson is going to be making more money off Mouse Guard in ten years than Bendis is going to be making off of New Avengers. Peterson is right. great. That, that's a that's a huge huge point. Peterson's a great example, and there are others, and they don't get mentioned. You know, obviously Persepolis hugely successful. They just made a movie out of it. it never gets talked about. Um, you know, obviously Blankets and Fun Home. You know, Fun Home was wildly acclaimed as a book. I mean, you know, it was it was considered you know it, was, it won tons of actual literary awards. So, so I, I'm I recognize that, and I think it's a very valid counterpoint. But I would also contend, though, that I do not believe that is who Kirkman is speaking to, because Kirkman's mantra is three things. He says, "Here's," and, and he says it in the. It's again, I'm not putting words in his mouth. He says, "This is what I want you people to do. I want you to go about creating your own stuff." He even calls it low-selling, create your own stuff to get your name out there until Marvel and DC notice you. Then go and work for them doing their stuff until you can sell your own books. Then leave them and put your own stuff out and make a decent living. David Peterson didn't have any interest in writing a superhero book. He wasn't going to start – he didn't do that to go get a DC Marvel job and then leave again. He wrote a book about, about mice. It was something he was passionate about. It's a different part of the industry Hick, uh, Kirkman is not addressing those guys. He's addressing the guys that he calls the mid-level talents at Marvel and DC right now. It's well, a then different. I think, I, then, I, then I think that is kind of short-sighted on his part because mm-hmm. you know what, guys? I'm, I hate to say this, but the the 22-page floppy comic is is turning into a into a dinosaur. I mean, there will always be certain monthly issues out there but not to the extent that they are now it's it's going book market we all know that so i think that's an oversight on his part but yeah i get i get your point that he's talking to basically superhero comic book creators yes, that's that's exactly right and i just want to i i uh, sorry if chris and i are, it seems like we're dominating the conversation not my intent but what um, else is no <laughs> you're right <laughs> The one thing I want to get at is I actually happen to agree with you that, that we have to remove the Johns and the Bendises from the conversation because, number one, they're, they're not – I don't think they, they want to stop doing what they're doing. Number two, I think they're, they live in New York and L.A. respectively and are, I'm going to assume, very, very well compensated uh, by industry standards. So I, I don't who, think they're – Who lives Port, in New York? Port, Portland Does and Bendis, L.A. No, Bendis is Seattle. Out, out, oh, yeah, Oregon. Okay. okay. Yeah, um, but a major city nevertheless. Uh, so I'm going to take them out of the equation. But then I ask again, if you're not talking about those guys, what writers at Marvel and DC could leave Marvel and DC and sell their own book just on their name? Now, I'm not saying – I'm sure Mark one or Guggenheim. two guys might have a great idea. But who uh, – who'd you say? Mark Guggenheim. No way. There's yeah. no way – there is no way Mark Guggenheim could create a comic and, and people would flock to it. Ooh, a Mark Guggenheim comic. I need to buy that. There's no way. J- Jason Aaron's – Jason Aaron's going to be oh, real close to that real soon. Jeff Parker, um, Ed hey, Brubaker, hey. Brubaker, you know, I'd I, give you, but he's, I, I think him. right up there with Johns and Bendis. Okay, and, I, I'm going to give. I'm going I'm I'm to use this point to stab you in the back, Wood. We had t- <laughs> we had we had talked about we had <laughs> talked about it. we had talked about this uh, um, a couple days ago about uh, the lottery ticket, and you said that a guy like Kirkman or a guy like David Perd like David Peterson had won the lottery in a, in a comics world. Is that is that what kind of the terminology? John Suntr- I was taking John Suntress's words, but but yes. Okay, I but, agree with them. You know, it, it's you know they're they're a one you know one in a a five hundred 
shot or a one in a thousand to be a Kirkman mm-hmm. or a David Peterson. And we can name a few others that have had some very, you know, good creator successes Jeff out Smith, there. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How many Bendis how many Bendises are there at Marvel? One. Who who won the fucking lottery? Oh, Bendis won the lottery too. Sure, uh-huh. who's saying it? That's what is it is and so my so what I wanted to bring up is what what's easier to be Kirkman or to be Bendis? Well, I think they're both very very hard. I think they're both at the top of the field. I think there aren't that many places in, in the field that allow you to make the livings they're making. But, but I think it is, is too small of an industry right now. If you were if you were if you were coming up to the industry and you could pick one of the two to try and emulate and say okay. This I see this as an attainable goal is to be in the top chair of creators at Marvel or to do my creator-owned work and try and become what Robert Kirkman has done. Realistically, who would you put better odds on? Well, see, I think this is where we, we probably disagree because I think it's probably harder to become Bendis, but yeah. I think it's a much more realistic and safe financial bet to think, well, I can become a writer under contract at Marvel or DC, and I get benefits and a salary, and I'll be able to pay my mortgage and put my kids through school. I think that's a much more likely path for people to see. Mm-hmm. They can see it on the rain. They can see that that over the horizon. Then they're going to say to themselves, damn, I- I'd love to be Robert Kirkman, but if it doesn't work out, I'm broke. And I think well, there are... Yeah, but, but what, Kirk, again, but what Kirkman's much- saying is that, you know, that's all fine and good if you can um, squirrel away enough money in the 10 or 15 years that you're doing that because you know what? After they're done with you, that's it. You're done. Yeah, it's true. And it's you're not getting work But unfortunately, this gets into my very jaded view about our, our economy and our society. That's our society in general. I mean, the, the vast majority of Americans do not save or prepare themselves for their retirement age, which is why people are working till they're 70 now and, they, and we, we all have crazy credit card debt and we're a debtor nation. So, I, I mean, I understand the argument. I think it's a, it's, it's a fair point to be made. But again, I'm not saying that more people shouldn't try creator on work. Heck, I think even Bendis t- today said that he thinks everybody, writers and artists, should try to do creator own work at some point in their careers, at least to see if they have the affinity for it and know what it's like. But again, we're talking about what's realistic. And I get back to the point of I can't think in all honesty of 10 writers at Marvel and DC who, if they resigned from those firms and did exclusively creator own work, would sell a fifth of what Kirkman sells. Yeah, but what, I can't think well, of 10 names. Well, let's bring it back to the to the comic book industry just for for a minute. Why is that that there's not ten guys that could generate the kind of numbers Kirkman generates? Well, and let me clarify too, because I think Chris is going to bring up. Or you got, I mean, in the current two hundred to three hundred thousand people that buy in the direct market, right. those people exactly going to follow them. It, it's so a very very need, small pool right. of buyers. They need to be seeking out new new readers outside of the direct market, and these guys again that he's addressing are working in the direct market. So the conversation is as much about should these guys be willing to go outside of the direct market? Because again, I think Kirkman's success has been in the direct market as much as as you know what he's selling in trades elsewhere. But I, again, I think he's very much an exception. I don't... I, don't, I mean, I look agree. at even Rucker. I, I agree you love Rucker, right? I mean, Queen... Next time you see Greg, ask, no. him, ask him, Greg, if you quit DC... How many more copies of Queen and Country do you think people would buy? Because that's the only place they could get your stuff. I, exactly, I, I, and and why is that? Because they don't just, really just, care about Greg Rucka. 
No, they, that's not it. That's not no, it at all. What it is is the, because the, you have a two-headed monster. You have a two-headed monster in the industry that is chewing up the bulk of the sales. Now, look at the past couple months of the diamond numbers. I know we don't like talking numbers, but let's just do it for a couple seconds just to, to, to just to show you where I'm coming from. DC has not been doing all that great in in in, in sales. They've they've dropped significantly in the in the diamond numbers where did those numbers that dc lost go marvel did, no, they, they, they right they went to marvel because there's there's there hasn't been a corresponding jump in dark horse or idw or or images numbers marvel's numbers jumped what does that tell you that dc and marvel command the the the, the majority of the market and people aren't going to look for a a a um a creator owned independent title when one of those two are so-called doing badly they're going to go to another marvel book right or or another another property that has been uh, you know uh proven to sell why do you think that marvel pre publishes so many freaking x books because they're all worthwhile and all good no it's all about rack space yeah they're trying sure. to sell space. but well, again you know, on, the, on the queen on the queen and country thing and this kind of gets to the heart of that matter it's 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 a distribution problem because there there aren't there aren't a ton of stores that are going to carry that book, even if Greg is writing it, which comes to your point of if they're not going to carry the book, then no one's going to buy it. You know, But my, my point is that it's obviously a distribution problem because this isn't getting in front of the faces of the people that would be interested in a very smartly written espionage story whether it's a comic or a novel so you're selling it in the wrong places and i'm sure that you know i i don't know any of these numbers or facts or whatever but i would say that you know the queen and country novels from a monetary standpoint probably did better than the comics well, I would agree just, yeah just because it's in the but bookstores it, so so where's the problem it's a distribution problem sure again no, diamond and, is always the problem so no, <laughs> no it's, it's 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 not diamond it's direct market you know, right. and, and what is the direct market? The direct market is the specialty. It's the LCS comic book shop. And who serves those mark that market? Well, yeah, it's yeah, it's when, when it, you it, only have one distributor and a half-assed one at that, you're in trouble. It's not. It's not the distributor as much as as the where outlets. comics more are sold. Right. Okay? You need it's, gas stations. You know, and, my, my, da my dad's an espionage fan. He's not going to fucking stumble into a comic book shop looking mm -hmm. for an espionage book. Right. You're right. And, You're right. And, 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 and on top of that, most of the comic shops don't even carry it. That's why it only sells 3,000 copies. I would right. contend if comics were readily available in many other outlets, the issues that Kirkman's bringing up would solve themselves because creators would have a much clearer path to doing their own thing and they wouldn't right. be beholden or training themselves to think I have to work for one of the big two to actually make a living doing this. I mean, I think that's, I, but again, that's the issue is that he doesn't talk about distribution. And when Suntress asked him, well, don't you think distribution is the biggest issue? He stumbled upon it and stuttered and said, well, I don't have all the answers. So I mean, well, if you're going to save the industry, no, no, but, but my point is if you're going to start off your mantra by saying, I'm doing this to tell you how to save the industry, in my yeah. opinion, and it sounds like yours, the way to save the industry, I think most of us that actually care about it would agree, starts with the distribution model. You bet. Exactly. Fix that, well, this, and a this, lot of the other issues get a lot easier to solve. No, 
Kirkman, Larson, nobody is gonna is gonna convince a bunch of creators to jump ship and jump away from financial security on on a hope and a prayer. What it's gonna take is someone like Kirkman or or a Guggenheim or a Jason Aaron or you know a, a Scotty Young to do that original graphic novel that hits bookstores that is a a creator owned project and they're going to become a fucking millionaire off of it then people are going to jump it's going to have to take one big mega success that comes out of nowhere and when that happens then you're going to see people starting to to kind of perk up and take notice it's going to happen it's going to happen well Harry Morton do it even then, what? it's it's kind of like lightning in a bottle, and I always equate it to That's the Nirvana same, those, equation. Why didn't those guys inspire? I mean, Jeff Smith's making millions of dollars off of Bone, and hasn't he hasn't put out a Bone page in what? How many? Two, three years? More than oh, that, I, right? I, I think Jeff Smith did inspire people. Yeah, more well, power to him. Okay, but where's the next? Where's the next Jeff Smith then? Dude, they're they're working at Top Shelf. They're working at Fanographics. They're working. They're not doing. They're they're not wasting their fucking time working at Marvel and DC. Again, see, I can hear people like Norton saying, "Why is it wasting his time?" He happens to love doing that, and he's making a well, decent living and, doing it. A- absolutely, and Mike is doing I'm what he's time. Love. Well, right. yeah, but but Mike's not in it to to make money. You know, it's it, Mike is doing this. <laughs> he does because, for vocation. Well, it let, let me give you a little vocation. example. Today at the comic shop, my uh, oh, the owner has a plexiglass case on the counter with all the hero clicks things in it, mm-hmm. and I, and I noticed there's a gravity hero clicks. Yeah. Is, yeah. Do you think did Mike get anything for that? I don't know, Jess. Well, I didn't ask him. No, but I'm, uh, chances are very good that he didn't. I don't know about you that. Know? Artists, artists have been getting. But That's, you can. That was Bendis's point today that that actually most of the artists and writers at the big two have actually started to get quite a bit of ancillary revenues, even okay, a lot say, of not in their contracts. Say he did get some. That's mm-hmm. so they don't. Is some. is it anywhere comparable to what Mignola got for the Hellboy Hero clicks? No. Right. That that's well, the Mike's, whole thing. I mean, that's, I'm sure Mike would. It maybe I mean I would have to ask Mike directly, but maybe he you know that's he made a decision relative to he created gravity under that auspice. I don't you know that it's other, again that, that's than, the point is is he he knew what he, I mean anyone that works at the big two uh, unless they're you know straight off the turnip truck understands what what they're getting into. They understand if they create a character under those umbrellas that it's not their creation. I mean I, initially I yeah they they understand, but it, does it? I don't think it's going to hit these guys until twenty thirty years after the fact that. Basically, what they did was they they gave the best years of their lives to two corporations who could not give a damn. Sure. Well, let me bro- broach this idea. With I you. don't. Uh, go ahead, David. <laughs> they, I, they don't. I, I, they don't give a damn. The work made for hire contract no, is explicit I'm, 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 in I'm, not giving. Yes. A damn. No. I I don't. I I agree with you there. But that you know they they gave the best years of their lives, but the company that Kirkman is now a partner with. They went and and created their own thing, and some things stuck, and some things didn't. But if anything, their time at the big two, especially McFarland's, with you know working on Infinity Inc. and then Spider Man and everything like that, you know, I so I, I I see where Kirkman's coming from. Hey, eleven o'clock comics guys, it's Ian Levenstein from Comic Timing. So I just happened upon your uh, forums here, and I saw that you guys are looking for audio comments for tonight's episode. 
the Robert Kirkman thing that was going on. I just watched the video, and uh, while it's still fresh in my mind, I'm going to make some comments. I didn't watch the Bendis reply yet, so uh, you guys can probably touch on that a little better than I can. Um, I'm kind of confused as to exactly what Robert Kirkman is saying here. Now, at one point, he said that he's happy with the current state of the industry, and that you know he reads Marvel comics, that he reads DC comics, and that he's enjoying everything that's coming out there from all the creators and stuff like that. And then in the next sentence, he's saying that the current creators should be going over to the indie side, and that the current DC and Marvel books should be catering toward kids. Now, I'm a firm believer that books should cater towards children, because quite frankly, how the hell else are we supposed to survive in this industry? I mean, if all we're doing is putting out books for the 20 and 30 year olds, what are the 10 year olds going to read to continue the industry? And I mean, this is the problem that I brought up, you know, multiple times on my show and other people have brought up elsewhere. I mean, I think that the Marvel adventure stuff is doing a good job and the Johnny DC stuff has been pretty hot, but the books themselves, the main books, have to remember that there are going to be kids paying attention to this. And I think that they're at least suited for teenagers right now. But what about people that are even younger than that? And Kirkman also also makes a comment that uh, all the creators, all the uh, guys who run the company should get together on a cruise and, you know, uh, discuss the industry. Hell, I'm all for that. I mean, you know, people should just suck it up already. I mean, the whole mini feud between DC and Marvel should just be freaking over already, quite frankly. I mean, they're all putting out books. They're all important in the industry. So I just say suck it up and go out there and uh, work as a team. You know, make sure that books are being read by people who should be reading them, and that is kids and adults alike. So as long as you, I guess, maybe balance out the industry a little bit, as long as you have enough books for kids and for adults to make everybody happy, I think I'm good. With what Kirkman's saying about people following uh, creators, I'm not really in that camp that much because I like the characters that I like. And uh, it, sure, I'll follow like a Mark Miller or a Brian Michael Bendis and stuff like that if they're putting out stuff, but if they're going to be doing uh, a book with a character that I really don't like, well, quite frankly, I'm not going to continue picking that up. Uh, same thing with like I'm not much of a war comics book, uh, comic book guy, so I didn't pick up the Tony Harris Mark Miller book that just came out. I mean, I might pick it up and trade someday, who knows? But for now, I'm not picking it up because I'm not going to follow every single thing Mark Miller does. You know, I mean, I I love his Marvel stuff. I like I like a lot of his independent stuff. I mean, I like Wanted, but hell, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to buy everything he does. Um, if Bendis were to put out an independent book, I'd have to see if the uh, if the idea really struck my fancy. Just like a lot of the image stuff out there right now doesn't really strike my fancy either. Um, I'm going to have to start reading Invincible at some point and seeing whether or not uh, that is you know my cup of tea, because perhaps that'll get me back into the image first a little bit. But my I, I just I don't really agree with the concept of if you bring the creators to the independent side, the readers will come. I think it's as much on creating a steady universe with good creators behind it as anything else. I mean, Wildstorm is a great example of that, where Wildstorm has had so many instances where they come out with crappy-ass uh, concepts, and it hasn't really worked. Uh, I mean, this is like the third restart the Wildstorm universe has had. Uh, when they had good books, when they had good people behind Authority, when they had good people behind Wildstorm, uh, that is Wildcats, 
And when they had good people behind Stormwatch and stuff like that, things were going good. And now it looks like they're finally getting back to that a little bit. But again, this is like the fourth restart. And is that a sign that perhaps their current model isn't working? That uh, Images' uh, model might be the way to go? I'm I'm not quite sure. All I can say right now is that I'm loving comics, and I'm going to continue to love comics. I mean, I might buy a little less because they seem to be going up in price more and more. Uh, if independent comics were to get bigger creators, does that mean that their prices will go down? I certainly don't know because the materials are still expensive. But all I know is that I guess I guess Robert Kirkman's mind is in the right place. He wants to try and help out the community as much as possible. But I think there might be better ways to do it than to make a editorial video on comic book resources. I mean, perhaps doing it behind closed doors, talking to the DC and Marvel people might have been a good idea, but uh, to just go out there and, you know, I don't know, talk to the fans more than the industry itself uh, might not have been the best tactic. All right, I think I'm, ran- I'm rambling at this point, so I'm going to hang up, but uh, I'll certainly listen to the episode, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy my comments here, and I hope I made at least 10% sense. You guys rock as always. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> But what what kills me is is the you know you're not going to get any money from it. Well, no, no one no one's forcing a comic book creator to work at the big two. If 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 someone is sitting, especially in this day and age, we're not talking about the the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. In this day and age, because you know we had Neil Adams in the 70s and the 80s, so you know he saved us and and everything. You know we moved forward. But if if you're pissed because you're creating a character that. Superboy Prime is going to rend, then you know, then you can take your ball and you can go give it a shot at at an indie. You know, you can what's stopping them from taking that same character and repackaging it to go create for for, for their own comic? Anyone who knows that creator and he, and knows the, cre- the the characters he created is going to pick up on it, don't you think? So, this, so then, hey, this so, character is exactly the same character right. you made at Marvel under a different name. Yes, so that's that was something else that 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 kind of stuck out to me li- listening to this of, of, over the past week is who you can either okay. I don't know. I don't know if Liefeld really gives a shit if he's really crying over the fact that he doesn't own Cable or Deadpool. You know, he gets he gets his royalty check. Every month, because the comic is out every month, he's doing the variant covers these days. You know, he's he's making money off of these two characters he made for Marvel over a decade ago. He, you know, he he may not have to worry. He may not give a shit that he doesn't have to worry about a has the hassle of creating their adventures every month. He created them. Marvel owns them. He can get paid. That's fine. Someone might just want to create a character that might appear. An amazing Spider-Man. Some creator might just want to draw Spider-Man or Superman or Batman and have their creation play in that universe. Why? Why should that be? Why should that be scoffed at? If 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 the creator wants to do that, but if if they just want to, I this is why just it, right. But why would anyone give something away willingly when they could be making money off it? Or the potential to make money off it. It, it just doesn't make sense. Well, it, it, you know, it's all, it's all great. Vince. But no, what I'm saying is new. I'm saying new. They invent a new microprocessor that's going to change the industry. It's owned by Intel, and they may get some, some more stock options that year to help 
thank them for that. But they they go into that understanding what they're what they're they're making a bet that sure I could go out on my own and try and raise VC money and create the new microchip and then sell it and then have Intel buy me for a few hundred million. But the likelihood is that they're going to fail at that and be penniless. So what they decide is I have a college degree. I'm an engineer. I'll go work for Intel. Great benefits. Good company. I'll make a good living. And if I'm successful, I'll move up the ladder and get some stock options. And it's a trade off. This is but an unless you're exclusive, you don't get benefits at Marvel or DC. Yeah, right. You but pay, again, you pay me yourself. That, that's the very reason why actor I- exists because guys like hero. Dave Cockrum, uh, sorry, hero. hero that, that, because Dave Cockrum, who invested a hell of a lot of good years and created a hell of a lot of memorable characters, had to, had to pinch pennies towards the end of his life to pay his medical bills. Well, again, I think it's it's really unfair in this conversation uh, to talk about how unfair the artists of the past had it because I don't think any of us would argue that, and I think it's a crime. But the point that Bendis, it's, it's still going the, on. The best point that Bendis made, though, is it actually has changed dramatically because of the sacrifices and the very public ones that those guys went through. That you know, m- many, many people at Marvel and DC have exclusive. Even guys like Bruce Jones have freaking exclusives because that's the way the industry is working now. Because these guys are smarter and savvier about the realities of the situation. It, it has changed and it has gotten better, but it, the, it, the only way it'll truly change is if they give ownership of the characters to the people who create them. That's the only way it's going to significantly change. That, that's sure, never going to happen. Well, here, here's exactly. Guys, it's, it, no, okay, it's, that's guys, right. It's guys, never going to happen. We, okay. We, number one, don't know the structure of any of these contracts or what anyone is making. So I think we're going to go around in circles on this one and not get anywhere. I mean, do you guys agree that because we don't have we don't have we don't. numbers, we don't well, I've know made that comment. I think deal. it's the most yeah. opaque industry in in the world. Actually, I can't. I, uh, I guess because it's an entertainment industry and everybody makes different amounts. It's hard. But there, you know, I yeah. I could tell you what what a dentist in my area makes or what a you no, know, the average uh, create, or creative creative is different. Creative yeah. stuff is different. Although we know what mm-hmm. rock stars make and we know what TV actors make and we know. Yeah. I mean. I could. Sometimes. You one Google search to tell you what your favorite TV show actor is making per episode. You know yeah. why it's so opaque? Is because if the rest of the creators at Marvel knew what Bendis was making, yeah, I bet you a bunch of them wouldn't oh, be I don't there doubt anymore. It. I mean, it's, I've contended many, many but, times that I would put any amount of money on the fact that Bendis makes several hundred thousand dollars a year. And the reason it's stunned. not opaque is because most of them are getting fucked. Yeah, right. and, it's, that. and Bendis okay. may make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, and it's still not enough to compensate him for what he's done for that company. That's for him to decide. Okay. But I think this is this is a more interesting facet of the argument. Okay, if you look, if it's you, around comics, Chris. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Do you want to drive? <laughs> no, no, I'm si- I'm in the back seat right now. You go ahead. I, I think. Uh, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> Quit it now. It, can everyone agree that the reason that Spider-Man and Batman and Superman and all of the great iconic characters have have stayed around regardless of who has written or drawn them is because they're extremely strong, core concept characters? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can take a, a middling writer an artist and put them on Amazing Spider-Man or Batman, and those characters are going to survive because of the strength of the characters. Of mm-hmm. course, we've exactly. seen it for seventy years. Then, yep. then why, why put your top talent on those books whenever they can be strengthening other parts of uh, of your line of characters? That's a good point. Okay, that's one. Now, if you are, if 
you are an aspiring creator that you know I, I think I think a lot of guys want to write Batman okay they they want to do that but once you once you do that once you get there and you accomplish that you know why wouldn't you want to go out and create your own your own work and I think that that comes down to down to the individual but but Kirkman was talking about the strength of these iconic characters that and I think in his viewpoint that they don't need the the top creative talent to keep them strong that for the viability of the industry top the top talent should be focusing on on creator own stuff to create new properties to create new interest in in comics to bring in new readers and you're not going to get that if if the best creators are working on things that at the end of the day are designed not to change Right. That's exactly the point that you made when you scoffed at Batman R.I.P. as being a good story, but ultimately meaningless because that character is never going to change. Yeah, and, it's gonna... not, it, and it's not going to change because it's a property, not a character. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that's owned and will stay the same because it performs a function, and that is to sell comic books. Yeah. So, and that's now, another now, part I've been, I've that been Bendis... a lot of bourbon. Did I make any sense there? No, you did. You made a lot of sense. But it's another aspect of Kirkman's plan that not only will strengthen the industry financially, but creatively, too, because you're a big one about editorial control. There's Fuck. no editorial control in creator-owned books. Well, very little. Whereas you have these events that drive Marvel and DC, and all that does is, again... Put money in Marvel DC's uh, coffers at the expense of the rest of the friggin' industry. So you ha- you have the the potential for more creative growth within the industry when you're doing stuff on your own. And let's be honest, every story that's ever been written at Marvel and DC lacks. It, it'll, they'll, the writers and artists on that book will never realize the full potential of the story they're trying to tell because there's only so far they can go. There, there, there's a ceiling. They, they can't go, they can't kill a major character off. They can't drastically reinvent the character because it ain't so, because but, that character you know has what? to be the and same forever. I, I think we need to be very careful as to not sounding holier than thou. If, if Jeff Johns wants to write Superman, and Legion of Superheroes and Booster Gold. And if Bendis, if his life's ambition is to, is to write the Avengers and Spider-Man and they're doing that, then I, you know, I take my hat off to him and right. congratulations. That's, I'm very happy for you. You know, right. that's, I'm not, I'm not coming down on that. I talked to Mike about that. He always wanted to draw Spider-Man. He wanted to draw Beetle. Mike is drawing the characters that he's always wanted to draw. And the, and, and he's I'm happy doing that. that. And I'm yeah. glad they are because that I like to read those comics. I, I, you know, that's the other thing. I, you know, I also want to be careful not to be so dismissive of, you know, we keep throwing out, oh, this 200,000 court. Well, you know what, guys? The, the reason that comics podcasts exist and the, and the people that listen to comics podcasts and participate in the message forums that we spend a lot of time on and the reason we're friends and the book, it's largely because of that, that we are that audience. Uh, now, granted, we all read independent books too and, and, and I read a lot more indie books than I ever have in, in my past. But you know what? I still get. 80 plus Marvel and DC books a month. Yeah, but but Jason, but Jason, we're all going to be dead in 30, 40 years, and there's not going to be one left to read the fucking books. I'll be dead. What do I care? 
Let's, yeah, exactly. Well, oh, that's <laughs> not right. Let's see you. And and that's another thing. They have to take a, a a stance and attract more younger readers because younger readers are going to grow up. Well, now that's the second books. part of of his point, which we haven't really touched on. Oh, well, we should because I I don't think we're going to get anywhere. Because uh, I I think he's I, he 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 throws it out there and I it makes absolutely zero sense to me. I, I don't. But, I fail to understand why it would be incumbent on Marvel and DC to take it upon themselves to bring in young readers. And Chris then just he, told you. But then, it, why isn't it then? Why should it not be every comic? Why? I mean, oh, it is. Wait, wait, but let's talk about it. David Peterson, who we're raving about. Guess what, guys? He's finding new young readers. He's writing a book for kids. Sure. Because his book is new. Jeff's not all ages book. Mm-hmm. Right. A because book with sensitive women that women love because they're they're doing their own thing. They they didn't work for Marvel and DC and say, guys, you know, they did their own thing and it found its audience and it broadened the horizons. Marvel well, because, and DC because they started off trying to attract new readers, but they, that, that was their whole goal. I would, but again, and as I put on the boards today, as much as you know, as much as we talk about this, DC. Maybe not everything they're doing is working, but I can't say they're not trying. I can't no. say that CMX and Minx aren't attempts. I can't say Johnny DC is an attempt at bringing in new readers. Uh, they're trying. Now, maybe they're going about it the wrong way because they're kind of going up the same flagpole, but they're trying. You know what, they're guys? Trying. Try, trying, to, trying to get young, any, young readers, young consumers, trying to get young anything is like trying to be cool. The more you try, the less successful you are. Does that make and, any and, sense? Right, and, and well, I don't does. think that's my point. So why is it then? Why in his plan must Marvel and DC champion that exclusively? Because they're the and, ones that have the revenue to do it. They're the ones that have the resources to do it. I, um, I don't understand. I, image, no. Well, you don't understand that they're the only two publishers that basically control the industry as we understand it. That Again, have though, if, money if to we're talking about. If we're talking about the way to really expand beyond this audience who really doesn't give a crap about that is to go outside of the direct market to places like Borders and Target and Walmart and places where kids actually buy books, then again, it shouldn't have matter that it's Marvel or DC. Because last time I checked, Dark Horse and Simon and & Schuster and Villard, who puts up Peterson's book, they have as much if not more reach inside of bookstores than Marvel and DC. When I go into a Borders, I see five bookshelves full of manga i see four or five bookshelves full of teenage focused novels i see one if i'm lucky shelf of marvel and dc graphic novels so again if what are we trying to do here if we're really trying to attract a new market again i don't know that marvel and dc are really the ones that should be at the bastion there they should try and i think it would be them then so then then they've got about 20 years of life left in them and then they're going to be dead well, no, they, so, it's, so, it's true so is, because so, is, so isn't it in their best interest to do that? Because in twenty years they're not going to exist anymore. Again, they're trying. I think you'll see them try more because they'll need to. They'll, as soon as their profit margins start getting crimped in ten years from now, like you suggest, they'll try harder and probably have more success. But my point is, again, Kirkman makes it a mantra, like a religious doctrine, like it's their job and their job exclusively. And he makes the point of saying, "We at Image and Dark Horse and Top Shelf don't have the resources to do that." Well, first of all, bullshit because Top Shelf puts out plenty of very cool all ages stuff and stuff for other markets. You know, and that, two. That, that's- the Image point, is putting but, Valentino's make, putting out a all ages line. It's making be it, exclusive. Making it is not the point. 
you know, talk to talk to Todd DeZago and Mike Waringo before he passed away, uh, and they were doing kid-friendly books with Telos. Telos was an awesome kid-appropriate book. It's not about making it. It's about marketing it. Image doesn't have the fucking money to market that stuff. I think Time Warner and, and Marvel have the money to market the, their well, product to younger generations. Again, Absolutely. if Image doesn't have the money to market its books, then how is Robert Kirkman the success that he is? Because his books are selling. Right, but if they're selling absent marketing, but he wants people to follow his model because he's the proof that it works, it's a it's a, it's he's it's a hey, violation man, of mantra. J- Jason, marketing to the two thousand or the two hundred thousand people that are already predisposed to at least look at and maybe buy your product is much different than marketing to millions of potential customers that will reinvigorate the industry. Right, which is why I think where the change is really going to come, and it gets back to your Dave Peterson, which I do have to say was a great point to bring up, is people like Simon & Schuster and Villard who puts out Mouse Guard. It's the publishing houses that are seeing that the only area of growth inside of bookstores is graphical content, and those publishers want to get a piece of it, and they have no direct market to cater to. They don't have to rely on the cash flow from monthly periodicals. They can focus on having great creative people put out original graphic novels and make a living and pay them advances and do it. I think that's where you're going to see real change, and it's not going to happen in the next year or two, but over the next 10 to 20 years, you'll see that change. And I do think, as much as it pains an old-timer like myself, digital will become a more important factor in this medium. I'm not sure how it's going to work, and I'm not sure if we're going to be able to really call it comics then, but I think that has to factor too because my sons, as much as they love when I bring home a Johnny DC book for them to read and I read it to them, they're not 10 years from now probably going to be looking to buy 22-page floppies printed on paper. That's probably not going to be their world. They're probably going to want going to buy 20 They're going to want 3D holograms of some kind of entertainment that their buddies whipped up on YouTube 3.0 the day night before. So I'm saying like that's the, that's the whole point Kirk right, was trying industry- to make. He, he's smart enough to know that if Marvel and DC do not invigorate their customer base and they die, the entire comic book industry dies. No. Under under the current model. Under, under the under the under the direct distribution model helmed yeah. by Diamond, if Marvel and DC go the way of the dodo, everybody's gone. Right. Comics, again, I'm comics, are, comics are going to survive. The medium it, it's it's kinda like Spider Man. It's I'm too, not questioning it, the it's medium. Too, it's too the medium is not gonna go away. But you know what? The modern and maybe this isn't a bad thing. The the modern superhero comic book as we know it. It, yeah, in 30 years, may not be there anymore, and and that I think makes Kirkman sad. Um, it's the pool from which he draws his uh, his paycheck. Well, I mean, you know, he loves superhero comics, and we all love superhero comics. I'm reading, you know, uh, the Legion of Three Worlds before I got on tonight, and I'm just like, man, I really love superhero comics, and unfortunately, Marvel and DC can't stop focusing on this small pie and how they're constantly trying to cut it up between each other and and look at, at, at growing the industry. And yeah, it's frustrating because they're the ones that can do it. Image can't do it. Dark Horse can't do it. You know, not, not really. Not like they can. You know, there may be teenagers out there reading Hellboy because of the movies. Sure. I don't know. But this gets uh, back right. to something Sal said and I'm going to throw Sal a little bone here because we've been arguing a lot on the forums. 
at the end of the day, since Kirkman wasn't addressing us in the first place, and I think we all agree yeah. he was, and we are fans of the superhero genre, and we recognize that if the industry is going to survive, it's going to have to bring in people that aren't like us. What ultimately do we really care about these things then? We recognize those are the problems, but if we're not the ones that can fix it because we're going to buy what we're going to buy until we don't have it to buy anymore, and if they're going to change, it's going to be because they're going to get other people to buy stuff that don't buy comics now anyway – what really does it matter to us? I mean, because I'm pretty confident that in the next 20 years, I'm going to get plenty of superhero comics to buy. I'm pretty confident of that. Now, whether they're in just trade form or I can still get – I don't know about that. But I, I have a feeling I'll still be able to read you know, Superman and Avengers and Spider-Man if I want to uh, 10 years from now. So <laughs> – you know that that I'm of confidence in, but, Here, but here's the, the here's the here's the rub. Would is that everything that we're talking about that would help the industry, that would make it stronger long term. You know, we're number one. We're not the solution, and as as much as it hurts to admit it, the changes that would need to to come about and what it would do to the comics that we read, we would hate. I agree, gonna, which is exactly what I they're going to have to like. You know, yes. I love I love John Suntress to death, but he is is he starts shaking with fear when he thinks about someone taking away his fucking Superman, you know, Which and making why. it not a book that yep. he wants to read. And sure. so the changes that we're talking about would ruin comics for us. Which gets to why I think this whole Kirkman discussion is so circular and silly in that he is imploring creators to work at Marvel and DC write those books that don't really aren't going to change things and then go out on their own. He basically wants guys to go and write Legion of Superheroes and Green Lantern and Avengers for a while and then go out and create the next Bone or the next Mouse Guard. And I don't think those guys are necessarily, with very few exceptions, the same people. I think (sighs) the Petersons of the world are different than the Jeff Johns of the world. I don't. Did you ever, judging from Mignola's work prior to Hellboy, did you ever think he was capable of a book like that? Seriously, uh, what, what did he produce before Hell, Hellboy? That was—I'm not going to say any good, but of the level of Hellboy, nothing. He worked on—he uh, did a couple Hulk covers and a couple, sure, uh, you know, this and this and that. And then he comes out with this Hellboy. He's well, one of the few few exceptions. Yeah, well, I, I think something that, that I see as, as being a little bit more realistic, uh, some people can trip over themselves about Miller, Mark Miller, and <clears throat> I think he's a good writer, but not a great writer, but I can see someone coming in, writing superhero comics, and then going and writing something like Wanted. I bet you one thing, though, I bet Mark Miller is uh, um, thanking his lucky stars he gave uh, Wanted to Top Cow. Don't you think? Oh sure, and yeah. and that that thing is is sold like crazy. The the trades on that. So I think that that is a more realistic um, scenario than than a Hellboy. I mean, Hellboy is a once in a generation kind of uh, creation, and yeah, but but it's the it's the you know a lot of it is the movie properties that kind of stuff that we're looking at. But I think what's more realistic are you know, coming out of Marvel, coming out of DC, and and doing a a mini series that becomes a quote unquote a graphic novel becomes popular, and you sell just scads of copies of those. You know, is it easy? No. Does it happen? Yeah. Um, well, let's just get back to the younger readers thing just for a second, because it's a thing that I, I really think needs to be done. Now, if Marvel and DC don't 
actively search for uh, or, or try to broaden their customer base with younger readers. And, and you have these, these two publishers that basically control the industry. And let's talk about from the direct market. Let, let's just pretend that the bookstores and everything do not exist for this argument because that's what Kirkman was talking about, the direct market. You have these two big companies and you have all these small companies that are hooked up intravenously to these two. If Marvel and DC do not pull in a bunch of new readers who will eventually, like us, notice that there is something out there besides their books. What what's going to happen to the comic industry? It's going to die off. Well, again, though, I think you can't you can't say let's put aside the bookstores because you're. I think you're dooming the argument from the start. Again, I when I walk into Midtown Comics to pick up books that I forgot to order from DCBS or I you know decide to pick up. When I walk in there, it's jam-packed on a Wednesday. Do you know how many people under the age of 21 are in there? And actually, probably under the age of 30. But but I, I've been I cannot think the last time I saw someone that was teenage, much less child, go in that place. And that's the most popular comic store in Manhattan. Yeah, I can't think of the last time. There's a comic store in our mall here, and and I don't buy stuff from it, but I always take a peek in when we go to the mall because I'm just curious to see what kind of foot traffic they have. They just moved to another section of the mall and basically tripled their square footage. I walked in there the day they they moved the store and reopened. There were maybe 30 people in there. Not one of them was a teenager or a kid. And that's at a mall where there are teenagers and kids flocking the food court 10 feet from it. So my point to you, Vince, is, again, it's, I think – Absolutely a defeatist concept to look at the debacle that is the LCS now and suggest that we need Marvel and DC or, and, and anyone else to put out more all-ages books in that market. It's relevant. They're, they're not Kids don't go to those places. Parents do not take their kids to LCSs unless they themselves are already reading those comics. What do you think My that's kids gonna- why, why even Then why even freaking try? Why, why don't we just ride this wave out, read our books until all of us die, and then say, you know, then goodbye to the comic industry then? Well, they have to work with what they have. Yes. No, we don't. If, if, do. if, well, that's I, what, why what I, say, I, I love that you can go to Target, and if you walk down the, the three aisles of kids' books at Target, there's a whole section of Marvel Adventures trades and trades from other places and superhero books. There's superhero coloring books, there's superhero sticker books. Right. N- none of which affects. None talking? of which affects the comic industry as it's as it stands. If there's no if there's no younger readers at any comic shop, what what good are all these comics at at Walmart and and Target? They're not pulling people into the place where they can get these things because Walmart and Target have a very extremely limited selection of comic books. That, that in fact it's a, in fact it's only Mar- Marvel really. I've never seen a DC comic at 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 Walmart or Target. Sure, that, that the point is is if so. The once inter- again, it's Marvel that's benefiting from this. No, once again, Marvel's the only one with the forethought to actually enter that market because that's where the kids are. You can't blame. Why isn't why aren't Image and Dark Horse selling at Target? Why don't they put out a kid a book that sells there? Why isn't Star Wars appropriate? There's a million Star Wars sticker books and coloring books and pop-up books I see at the, at the bookstores and at Target and Walmart. Why well, Why doesn't Dark Horse or, or IDW put out a, a one of their books and try and put out a digest that, that sells in those markets? Well, knowing Mike Richardson and, and, and the business savvy that he has, I'm sure he's tried. Well, they're, 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 it must be incredibly difficult. Most profit-driven retailers on the earth. So if you know, I, I don't think they're going to turn away something they think will sell. So, I mean, again, skyscrapers I, of the Midwest got into Target. 
Sure, exactly. There you go. So that's yeah. my point. So if it really wanted to be, if they wanted it to be there, they could get it there. But that has no bearing on on Kirkman's argument when he talks comic industry. He's talking direct market. No, he's that's not. All, that yeah, he no. is. He actually in Suntress in, in the interview he actually points he to the fact that this hundred thousand trades have been sold at places like Borders that they don't those numbers don't show up in the direct market. He's made his great living as much off of the fact that he sells tons of trades in other places. Yeah, that, guys, he, it, it, I, I'm I pretty much believe that the direct market is going to go away before the superhero comics that we're talking about go away. The direct market is is rapidly vanishing. Well, yeah. couldn't go away quick enough. Yeah, I, I haven't agreed with that too. I, I, and, I, and, I, and I love my comic shop. And by saying that, I don't think that all comic shops are going to go away. I think that you will always have some specialty comic shops, but I think they're going to be relegated pretty much to, to, to the urban environment. Midtown will always be there. But it's going to be one of the few in the country. You know, a shop like Dark Tower, Mark will hang on for a long time. Graham Crackers here in Chicago, a lot of those specialty comic shops will still exist. But the direct market, as we understand it, as we know it, is not gonna is not gonna continue to be what it is. Well, for every every uh, problem within the comics industry, it always goes back to the direct market. Sure, and, and invariably because when you have one entity delivering your books to a limited audience that's a real big problem as wood said they're not getting into the 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 stores where the people are they're getting into the stores where that limited customer base thrives it's it's insane it's insanity the the business model is absolute insanity it is it is maybe the if you were going to start out a business it is the worst possible scenario in, in how to grow your 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 market it it really is if you if you sit back and look at any other business it is it is absolute insanity somewhere tomorrow somewhere tomorrow tim is going to be listening to this weeping in his glass or something well but tim we it sucks it sucks when you play for the losing team hey you know it's <laughs> the i love my local comic shop love my local comic shop well, i do it, too it, i am the problem I'm not the solution. None of us are the solution. Well, that's we, sort of my we, point, right? The only people debating Kirkman's diatribe are people that are part of the problem. And, yeah, the, exactly. and the creators he's appealing to are also, again, part of the problem. The Dave so Peters don't, don't need to hear his mantra. The, you know, the, uh, who wrote Persepolis? I can't remember. But, um, uh, but, um, yeah. But you get my point, though. <laughs> I mean, the, the people writing, uh, you know, uh, you know, Alex Robinson doesn't need to hear Kirkman's mantra, right? He's going to put out his book because he's passionate about the material, regardless of whether it sells a thousand copies or 200,000 copies. It's just, he's doing it really because he's an artist and wants to, that's his story. You know what I mean? So, but my my point is, is he's appealing unless I'm totally misunderstanding him, but I don't think I am. He's appealing to the, let's, you know, the Dan slots and the Sean McKeever's and the, you know, the guys that are names to us, hardcore guys, but really aren't names outside of, or like what I'm saying is, is we. I'm not even sure we would buy a book by Sean McKeever if he left DC and Marvel just because it was Sean McKeever. But I'm pretty sure that a kid walking through Borders isn't going to seek out a Sean McKeever book because they've never heard of him. You know what I mean? No, so and, and, and Sean Sean would admit that. And, right, right. So I'm saying he, if Sean McKeever has a kick-ass story to tell that's in his heart and soul, 
it wouldn't matter whether he worked for Marvel or DC or not. He could put that story out. He could find a publisher to do it if he was willing to forego near-term income. And if it was really good, it will sell. I do genuinely yeah, yeah, believe but, that. But he's going to have to. He's going to have to not do that at DC. He can't do that at DC. Oh, and that's sure. A lot. But but he could yeah. not be exclusive at DC, and he could still write Teen Titans. And he well, could write you know, it, 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 we talk, we talk about the whole exclusive things. I I have a feeling that most of those exclusive contracts that we hear about don't uh, forbid people from doing creator own work. It's right. Well, it, you're, it, you're, it, it, Aaron is a perfect example, right? I mean, he's a, He's Marvel yeah. exclusive now, and he's still allowed to do scalps, which is not only his own thing, but it's for Vertigo. So sure, yeah, right? he just, he just can't work for DC or or do DC proper. It even extends which I, I mean, fucking, you know, once again, I fucking hate those exclusive contracts, not for the creators because it's good for them and and their security. But uh, you know, it's kind of coming back to the point of things of of. Creators not being able to work on stuff that they should be able to work on. You know, Bendis does damn good crime novels or, or, or crime fiction. I'd much rather see him doing Batman than than Avengers. Can you imagine the outcry that Kirkman would have been subject to if he got to the root of what I guess we've decided the problem is? And came out and said, "Hey guys, we have to find a way to bury this distribution method and, and come up with something else but, because it's just not working." Sure, yeah. I, I mean, as, so, as so an, he's basically as an image partner. He's never going to fucking say that, right? Well, and 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 I think they're all just um, ignoring the problem while they cash their paychecks. And let's also not forget that every image partner, save for one is either currently or has recently done work for the big two. So even they went back home again and don't do exclusive their own stuff. So again, I think even some of his partners are probably listening to him and say, sounds great, kid. I used to think that way too back in the day. Oh, oh, would it? We feel oh, not. Yeah. he's not, he's not doing shit for DC and Marvel to, to, clear out the ramen noodles in his house. You know, those guys are doing are doing those books cuz they want to. Sure. Lifefield's doing Lifefield's doing but it for God. You think you think Jesus. you think, Jesus. You think <laughs> honestly, <laughs> do you think that Jim Lee is drawing um All-Star Batman and Robin so he can make his fucking rent check? Well, actually, seriously, dude, it sells it sells oh. it sells an ass load of copies. And I think they dude, make him. I dude. think they make him. How much is an ass load? I would actually, to be honest with you, in that specific case, it's more I think Frank Chester on it. I think they make him do that book because, <laughs> frankly, they gave him a sweet deal to run Wildstorm, and he's done a pretty shit job with it. So well, he owes him some work to help pay for the deal he probably yeah. has. Well, he he was uh, well here. Th- this is how comics don't really pay that much money. It, it's kind of it's kind of become apparent that Jim Lee was off working on the the DC. Um, uh, the MMO game, yeah, yeah, the big M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-
even though the 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 comic industry is on life support, I still think getting a bu- a bunch of new readers is only going to help. And and oh, and shit, yeah. I, I, I do. And ideas do that. And again, well, I don't have. I mean, I think we've pretty much ideas. stopped talking about Kirkman right now. We're <laughs> just talking about things to save the industry. Yeah, you know. Well, and, and let's just why not embrace the digital too? Kids dig that that stuff. Yeah, you know, the, when when a, a comic book costs three bucks, no kid on the planet is gonna buy it. Number one, and you can't. You know, the old days of, of rolling it up in your pocket and driving down to your friend's house on your bike to show them is gone. But they could download the new Amazing Spider-Man to their PSP for a buck and mm-hmm. and bike down to their friend's house and dig on that. You know, they what's don't stopping? Wanna, they don't want to read Spider-Man. Well, I'm just saying, okay. <laughs> event, yeah, you know, why? that's the thing. Why don't they want to read Spider-Man? You know, make Spider-Man, and that they're taking steps to do that, make Spider-Man cool again. Because he's old. He's married. Well, Not anymore. Like, uh, Superman, <laughs> they've been selling Superman comics since 1930-something. So Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, Superman, everyone knows. Superman, make it so the kids can plug in their... their device let's just call it a device a psp or a whatever and and yeah. a, a buck a pop why not you know I, I i actually like the idea that that comics are are broadening and they're they're touching different genres and different age groups you know i i talked to a lot of my friends that have may have read comics growing up or may not have ever read comics and now they're you know in their early and mid 30s and are opening up to to comics as, as an entertainment they're asking me it's like oh what should i read you know i i what you know what a couple of my buddies read black hole in the in the last in the last month um so i think that while we keep talking about bringing kids into into the industry to keep superhero comics alive okay that's very different than than comics as as a medium opening up to different areas of of the mass market mm-hmm. and and I, I think you're seeing a lot more serious stuff uh, get into the hands of people that it, it never did before. Watchmen is going to be huge because of because of the movie and the and the movie trailers yep. and you know so I think that I think that comics are growing. And maybe it's time that that the superhero genre, you know, it wasn't always the number one driver in the industry. Horror and crime comics and romance comics, they've all had their their day in the sun. Maybe superhero comics are just starting to to come to that eventual end, and now sure. we're seeing the rise of the autobiographical comic as as being something that is going to you know come to you know rise to the top of the industry. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Going to rise to the top of the two hundred thousand people industry. No, no, it's going <laughs> to rise. It's going to rise to the top of the who is reading comics as a medium and mm-hmm. that and it's going to rise to the top because it's not going to be shot at that 200,000 um consumer base that we constantly fucking fixate on. Well, here's it's, the ironic thing though, guys. I, I think we've we talk, you know, as as a geek as one of those 200,000 people mm-hmm. uh, that I I look at all we're discussing and get sad because I think that We've never had a time, at least for decades, where it's been so 
mainstream to like geeky superhero shit. I mean, it, most of my friends now actually they love all these superhero movies, you know, and these are the guys that in college gave me shit for reading comic books, you know, and thought it was ridiculous. And they love the movies, you know, and they and and they love that they love even, you know, 300 and V for Vendetta and, you know, Road to Perdition, you know, when they found out that was a comic. It, so my point is, you know, San Diego, we, we you know, a lot of these hardcore guys bitch about San Diego being sellout now. I think that's an opportunity because it means that the power players in Hollywood and guys who make TV shows and are looking for ideas and guys who make movies and are looking for ideas are looking to the comics industry and comics writers and artists to help fuel those ideas. So we have a chance to break out and let the world see how badass comics are. But it gets back to distribution. How frustrating is it that superheroes, the good old guys that we're saying are probably dying out because of the – how frustrating is it that superhero movies are going to generate close to two billion dollars worldwide this year and yet we cannot get the people that go to these movies two or three times to be able to just without a lot of stress and trouble pick up a comic book or a trade paperback with those same characters and read them it you would. mean to tell me it if would. someone yeah all right guys it's ian i'm, I'm back with just a couple of comments here uh, about the bendis thing um, so yeah, I, I listened to Bendis' side. I listened to most of it. That is, I, I paused like maybe about like was maybe a quarter left in the interview. So what he's saying, and I, I guess the major difference between the two is that Bendis believes that his uh, big two work um, benefits his uh, independent stuff, and that people find his independent stuff because of his Marvel stuff. While I guess Kirkman believes that. Uh, you should just go straight to independent and not even bother with the big two. Uh, once once you've actually made it big, is is, is that is that what I'm getting here? Because quite quite frankly, I don't really see the point of the argument anymore. Um, you know, I, I mean, they're both two different opinions on the subject, on the topic as a whole. And well. As a creator, you're going to have two choices here. I mean, either you're going to be somebody who's interested in working with the big two, you're going to be somebody who's interested in independent stuff as well, and you're going to do both, or you're going to be somebody who doesn't even give a shit about any sort of superhero stuff whatsoever. Venice mentioned this also, that, I mean, there are plenty of people out there who just don't want to do any sort of superhero stuff, so they stick independent. And Venice also makes the comment that a lot of those people don't have high-selling books. Because, well, I'm going to make a comparison here. Uh, this is my own comparison. Nobody else made it so far uh, in either of these things. But Marvel and DC are, I guess, Mac and Microsoft. They're Apple and Microsoft. And independents like Image and Dark Horse and Dynamic and all that stuff, Dynamite, they're Linux. They're the lesser of the three. And it's going to be really hard to break into any sort of the profit margin that the other two have because, simply put, they've been around for years, they have a reputation, and they're better known by the entire world. So Image Comics, they've been around since, what, what is it, 93? And they've changed themselves. You know, They're, they're not the company they were. They're more about uh, 
much more independent titles. Uh, you know, the superhero stuff isn't really there that much anymore, other than Kirkman's side of the universe. And uh, I, I guess, uh, well, I forget the name of the other one, but uh, what is it? Noble Causes is also is also with Image, I believe. But anyway, you know, that, that's that's their little niche of the universe. Are they ever going to get past that? No, they're really not, because Marvel and DC are Apple and Microsoft in this situation. They're the ones that, when when you're thinking about companies, they're the first two that come to mind. Um, with the movies that were coming out, I know that that was mentioned in Bendis' thing, was mentioned a little bit in the Kirkman stuff. The movies that came out, a lot of people don't even know that Hellboy was based on a Dark Horse comic. You know, people are thinking it's another summer blockbuster because that's the type of movie it was where you could go see it and have never read a Hellboy comic and you're probably not even going to wonder, hey, what's the deal with this Hellboy thing? You know, I mean, sure, you could go to a comic book store and you could buy a, a, a Dark Horse comic, buy a Hellboy comic and maybe get into it, but the movies are movies. 300. Completely different story that's based entirely on the graphic novel. I'm sure I got a lot of people to buy the graphic novel, but still, if you watch the movie, you read the book with Iron Man. You've got an Iron Man story with a character that everybody knows, and yet it wasn't a kid's movie. Neither was Dark Knight. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have kids' comic books, but it also means that they know their audience. You know, like, I mean, they're not going for that kids-friendly uh, audience. I mean, you've got Christopher Nolan's Batman universe is dark and decrepit. You've got Iron Man universe where they're already starting down the the realm of the addiction, you know, the alcohol addiction. And, well, these aren't happy places. Spider-Man's a little bit, uh, you know, more kid-friendly. Superman, I guess, is a little bit more kid-friendly. But the comic books that are being put out aren't aimed towards that demographic. You know, should they be? I, I guess so a little bit more. But Bendis' side just seems to be that work for the big two and let your big two stuff, let people find your independent stuff. And if that happens, great, terrific. Your sales are going to go up. It's a symbiotic relationship. All's well with the world. It doesn't mean you shouldn't work on... What it basically means is that you should only work on stuff that you're happy about working on you know don't just work for the big two because you think it's going to make you money because well you're going to do uninspired shit that way and you're not going to put out good comic books and that's going to be detriment like a, a negative to everybody out there and i don't want to see that i'm going to stop talking now because dear god this is the second message i've sent you people and i can't shut up so yeah I, yet again i hope i made some sense here guys Vince, Jason, Chris, David, I love you. Have my babies. Talk to you later. Bye. Um, do you what? like do you, do you like do you like what uh, Grant Morrison is doing with Batman the the R.I.P. storyline? Do I like? Yes, I do. Do, but again, do I... you do you like it? Reach on, brother. Do you like it? <laughs> yes. So, someone at work that comes up to your desk and says, "Man, I saw Dark Knight this this weekend." God, it was awesome. Um, oh, is that Batman? Are you going to fucking give him that to read? Was there a pitch before the movie that uh, made everyone who went to see it aware that these are that that is 
published monthly as a comic book? I don't think there no, was. But, no, as, but it doesn't which matter. Was, which was if just somebody, plain if stupid. Somebody, if somebody went to the Dark Knight and walked mm-hmm. into a local comic shop and picked up this month's issue of Batman, what the fuck do you think they're going to... Okay, but... But to but, be fair, though, why should? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. But that's though. the that's the that's the thing people complained about when the X Men films came and out. So they they just, made the comics. What do they fucking read? It's people, not just no. It's million, not, but, millions of fucking people went to see Iron Man. They walk into a Borders. What the fuck are they gonna buy? An Iron Man, an Iron, they, an Iron Man comic they can't, book. They Holy can't, shit! I'm agreeing with David. They can't <laughs> grasp. They can't grasp that movies adapt. The, how often do you read a book and it's nothing like the movie and people bitch about that but they've read it they realize that this is an adaptation just because just because this month's issue of Batman or Iron Man or Spider-Man isn't just like that movie they just saw so they're lost now so we lost them forever because we yeah, didn't because print something comprehensible no 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 you oh. don't you don't no. tailor the art form to the people you make the people change their way of thought to the art form yeah well, but, that's, but what that's i'm saying the is way it's it works. simpler than that what i'm saying is why isn't it that when they go to see iron man and they come out raving about what a badass movie it was there isn't a trade a, a, a stack of trades sitting there or sitting outside right. of the borders next door mm-hmm. of the stuff that uh, that was done by you know the classic Iron Man stuff that's been traded. Why why aren't those trades sitting there for them to buy? Which is evocative of what was in the movie, right? Why is our, our borders Master does that there? with Batman Dark Knight? Why weren't trades of Hush and Long Halloween and Dark Knight Returns sitting there for people to read? Like those classic books that actually do hold the test of time are available in nice, clean, pretty well put together trade paperbacks that these people would buy on impulse and then read it and say that's pretty badass wow i wouldn't mind reading some more of that that's what i'm saying i'm not saying convince them to i think it's foolhardy to say well here's an issue of you know detective comics and you're going to buy this every month at this store you know two strip malls down the 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 highway i'm saying you you say by the way in borders there's 20 other batman trades go at it i mean well, well, borders yeah, was loaded with them but but what out of all of those 20, and I think that's conservative, out of all of those 20-plus Batman trades, and you walked any borders, any bookstore, and that's where these people are going. They're not going to comic shops. What, which one are they going to grab? Dark Knight Returns. Is that it? Well, I don't know. I don't, whatever one, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think David's right. It would probably be more towards the killing joke because the Joker's on the front. You know it what? Would be, it, most, most people don't know. And the people at Borders don't know which ones to suggest. Now, if they go see Wanted, which which Wanted trade are they going to buy whenever they go to Borders? Oh, that's a loaded question. You're evil. You're evil. You are. It's pretty <laughs> obvious, right? Yeah, there's so, only so, one. So what has done more to strengthen the industry, the company-owned product or the creator-owned? To come back to Kirkman. Neither, because no when, one's when, going and buying these books because they're not being told. Right. Uh, no. When, when you're dealing with an art form, why did that's why existing. wasn't there a? By the way, Wanted was originally a trade paperback. Go and buy it. Why wasn't why if want, the Dark Knight didn't sell a billion and a half dollars? Why? It's great yeah. that they have that DC Comics logo, but why in the hell doesn't it's their own company? Time Warner's the same company. Why in I the know. hell don't they say? What? By the look, way, look look at how much look at how much Batman um, sales increase because of the dark night and look at the increase in sales over watchmen or wanted 
or fuck League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, whatever kind of of single trade or OGM. Look at you know I don't know if we can find the numbers on when History of Violence or Road to Perdition came out and what what the the increase on sales of those books were in 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 bookstores, but I bet you it's going to be light years ahead of what the sales are on on Batman and because. People are lazy and stupid. Is, is no, no, because it's well, there. yeah, because it, it's there and it's and it's easy. There's one choice. Well, wow. You you have you have a a medium that's existed for seventy years. There's seventy plus years of Batman stories, right? Around seventy. Yeah. It's impossible to to narrow that focus down to one book that these people should buy. Never mind exactly. that. We also have the Adam West Batman show. How many people went to go see the Dark Knight and said, well, that's not fucking Adam West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but no. David, I mean, but talking about comics, and my point is, you know, that this is kind of coming back to the creator-owned thing and why creator-owned books may be better for the long-term viability of comics as a medium is... It's because it's an easier connection between okay. the movie and what they're buying at the bookstore. That's and, and that's fine. I get that. But we, we seem to think that the consumer then, the person who's going to buy this that just saw this movie, is can't comprehend that this character in this comic book is different than the character I just saw. When Vince just said there's over seventy years of, of, of character history. It's a I don't I don't see just because this Spider Man is different than the Spider-Man in this trade paperback, or this Batman, or this Superman. That this isn't what I just saw, so I can't, I can't bother with this. I don't, I don't see why the consumer would be that dumb. Oh, dumb consumers! Come on. You, <laughs> you I think, on I message think, boards. We we got right. people that can't even fucking wrap that around That's, their fucking heads. That that read fucking comics. But we're but we're already buying the comics. I'm talking about the yeah. people that just went. I, I can understand Chris's point of view. I can and I too. Think he, right, and I think it's a part of the way to solve the thing. Maybe they should take the best of the seventy years, they easily do. accessible, easily accessible stories, and put them in one volume. And they do. Right, right. right. Oh, Maybe God. those are the books. Can what? you imagine someone going to see Iron Man and then going to Borders and they pick up Iron Man Essentials Volume One? But then, but but wait! If they stayed, if they stayed through the credits, they saw that Iron Man was created by Stanley, Jack Kirby, uh, Don Heck, and uh, Larry Lieber. So that's who's in the essential. So why would I not want to read the stories that the original creators wrote? Because they're well, fifty who fucking years the- old and they're boring. People want to see next year, David. They're boring Ooh. as fuck. We appreciate <laughs> them because hey, I love Gene Colan's art, but. God, for for me to give one of my friends the Iron Man Essentials Volume One, are you fucking kidding me? Okay, so give him the Bob Layton trade. Yeah, I think that's we're getting getting closer with the Bob Layton. I don't know, you know, honestly, what I would give someone is Iron Man Enter the Mandarin, the 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 one that. Okay, now 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 we can appreciate the art in that, but would someone who just saw Iron Man would would someone that you know, and I don't know about. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was. I think it was a really solid story as well, and it was it was a a core Tony Stark story, and it was also kind of peeling right off the origin. So I think that's a book that. But that, but the Mandarin wasn't in the movie. Ooh, 
Yeah, so actually, then, so, so, no, no. Some dude playing with his ring was in the movie, and Odebias thing got rid of him real quick. But there was spoiler, spoiler. I didn't see the movie. Sorry, it's like you were going okay, to. So, so, so no, what, they, no they, fat chance. So what? They, they should read. They should read um, the uh, Armor Wars with the with the mulleted Tony Stark. Do you think <laughs> definitely? That's no, you there's know? the Warren Ellis. There's the Extremis. I mean, there there are okay. different. I know it, and and I get this. I know. I it it pisses me off that you know that you go to the movies and you have those stupid fucking static ads, and any of them could say you know go see your chiropractor, go to Jiffy Lube, get some ice cream, but none of them say by the way in this mall there's a comic shop. The movie you're about to see, you know, why doesn't the comic shop buy an ad space? And and I mean there are so many things that could be done. Sure, sure, but but it all comes back to what 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 consumers can buy and if we are looking at expanding the market name me one one trade paperback of the x-men that's come out in the last 15 years that you would feel confident giving to someone who enjoyed the x-men films uh first class okay is um 15 years well there's uh that might be a little confusing Days of Future Past. I mean, I, I Age of Apocalypse, Ooh. but I mean, that's that's just. I mean, that's kind of self. No. But that's that, that's confusing as hell. You, you would give someone no. Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on if you're, they like the art or not. Um, well, I, let's not let's not get mired down in this. But I, mm-hmm. you know, we have to agree with Chris to a certain point. He is right, but he's also wrong. How's that? <laughs> well, that, that that's a tagline for the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it, that's actually very a good difficult. Tagline, but that's the nature of the right beast. and wrong. I think he's right. And wrong. I think Bendis, yeah. actually, to be fair, I, I don't. I think Bendis did himself a disservice by clearly not listening to Kirkman's thing before he reacted. But well, he also he, he also actually, took things personally when yeah, when, when exactly. that wasn't the intent. I think he was he was right, right and wrong on some of his retorts uh, for for the, for the wrong reasons because he didn't really know what he was retorting to. But I think some of the things he said actually are true and some are not. But um, you know, how, I, I certain, how could he not take it personally? That's that's the thing. He was called by name. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. I mean, I, th- I, mean, other, I, think, anyone, I think anyone who's who uh, bruises that easily shouldn't have a, an online community called the Bendis Board. Um, well, you know, if well you're gonna, I don't think it's called Jinx World. If you're gonna, if you, well, it's the Bendis Board at JinxWorld.com. If you're gonna throw your ego out there, have a thicker fucking skin. Right, but I mean, that aside, the the the, the fact that he called him out by name. Notwithstanding, when when a guy comes into a, a communications medium and basically says, "Here's my plan." Two people, two organizations in this plan are going to suffer at the expense of everything else. The, those two organizations and everybody that worked for them are going to take it pretty damn personal. Yeah, you know, your your uh, financial livelihood is going to be threatened by my proposal. But you know what? It'll be better for everybody in the long run. <laughs> They, they have to take it personally. Mm-hmm. So you can't really blame Bendis for getting all hot and bothered because no. that's his cash cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to side with Bendis, God freaking forbid. Yeah, oh no, don't do that. You know, you, you get you gotta you gotta take his uh, side into consideration too. Even though I agree with Kirkman for the majority of us, what he's saying. But I think we did agree on one thing though. What? 
Diamond bad. Oh yes. Bad. Yes. Diamond bad. How about how about the how about you know, there's the Kirkman challenge to creators and you know, how about we continue to challenge ourselves in another way and that is regardless of publisher, regardless of of who is writing or drawing comics, we just kind of continue to find the comics that we enjoy to read because you know at an individual level we're never going to affect any any sort of change that that Kirkman is or Bendis are talking about you know our job as comic book fans is to is to be entertained and and find the books that we like and that's something that I think all four of us do pretty well and and enjoy and that's why we do this mhm mhm maybe he should have spoken to the publishers and said something to the effect of let's form a coalition of comics publishers and find a way to crack into other distribution areas. He mentioned Let, that. Let's tr- he mentioned right. that. the cruise, which yeah. Ben just laughed at. <laughs> awesome. Oh, but I'm talking about a tightly knit organization. Mike Richardson from Dark Horse, uh, Gary Groth from Fanographics, just band together, meet every couple months, come up with an entity that's going to get your books out there. Hey, hey Vince. N- and, Vince, yes. What, what did what did the comic book publishers create the last time they got together? I'm not going to answer that because I know the I, I know the answer and it wasn't would, very would, good. Do, do you know what the the last thing the comic book publishers created whenever they got together to better for the betterment of the industry? Uh, Are you talking about the code? That would yeah. be the comics code authority. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, they did that to crush EC. Yeah. Well, destruction never leads to anything else than uh, more destruction. So, what if they got together with the purpose of creation, a different agenda this time? Let's try and redeem ourselves from past wrongdoings and try and create something that's going to get our books out there. You'll well, never, I, you'll never see Marvel and DC do that. I highly no, doubt. No, that's not. I don't want Marvel and DC to do it. I they, highly they doubt they have their arena. This, and uh, I'm sure he, he is probably busy. I don't know that 11 o'clock comics is on his short list of podcasts. If it is cool, Who's that? Kirkman? Kirkman? But oh, no, he, I sent him an email. I asked yeah, him to be here. He's if, never replied to me. If he does hear this or there's some chatter or he sees it, here's what I say to him, honestly. You know, I think he's well intended, but you're an image partner now. I have to believe that the timing of this was at least either intentionally or unintentionally well timed to coincide with that. And you're also the first of a new breed of image partner in that image for good or bad has always been associated with, you know, a time when the artists were the lead dogs and they left because people cared about their names and obviously achieved far more success, at least for a while than anyone thought possible. So Kirkman's the first writer to be made an image partner. And although image is a much different beast than it was then, I think there is some symbolism to the fact that now a writer is the new champion of image. So if you really, convinced that your plan is the way to go, then take guys like Ferber and Hickman and other guys that do great work for Image already and share your vast knowledge as to how you went about this and really coach them up. And let's see one or two of those guys become as successful as you in your model. Prove to the Marvel and DC guys that it can be done by more than just yourself. Because I would think that Kirkman, now that he's at Image as a partner, he has guys he knows put out good work. Let's see him do it again because all I know is that we've talked a lot about Jay Ferber and how much we love him. We also have talked about how much we love Noble Cause as well. You probably heard this week that Ferber announced that he's done with Noble Causes because it just isn't selling well enough and he's got to move on to other things. So that sucks. 
And that's a book that should sell well enough to support him, and so should his other books, and yet it's not happening at the very comic company that Mr. Kirkman is supposedly going to change the industry with. So, Kirkman, grab, you know, grab yourself by the balls and prove to us through your own volition that you can take a few of your guys and your lieutenants and do exactly what you've done, because I'm not sure it can happen. I hope it can, because if it does, I think we'll all be happier. Well, first of all, I, 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 think, I think Dynamo 5 is still doing well. And and sales were definitely part of why Noble Causes um, is is not going to continue on. But I also um, wanted to bring up another thing, and that is Kirkman brought up a very taboo subject that he is not the first or only person in the industry that has talked about this or has brought this up. This is something that in the convention circuit is talked about all the time and the the viability of creator owned books and and future of the industry all this stuff it gets talked about all the time between these guys kirkman's just the first one to put his big melon in front of a video camera and put it on cbr that's really the only difference this stuff is getting talked about by a lot of people and it has been for a lot of years yeah but talk is cheap Talk really um, yeah. cheap, though. He put he put it out there, and you no, know no, what? I'm, that's what I'm saying. He deserves yeah. credit because talk is yep. cheap, and it's Absolutely. a lot easier to, to bitch about it with your buddies at the artist alley table in between sketches and yep. say, "Woe is me! I wish things were better." He, that's why I say, no matter whether agree, whether I think his ideas are feasible or likely to happen, I give him all the credit in the world for putting a bullseye on himself yep. and saying. I'm throwing out ideas. If you think you've got better, let's hear them. I, I give him all the credit in the world for this, and that's why, frankly, I think this has been worth talking about. Because you know, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't think he would be upset for me saying this, but you know, Sal was talking to Scotty today, um, and and Sal, in, in his words, kind of relayed this that Scotty is really fired up and really excited, um, thinking about thinking about different things that that he can do. So. Um, you know, you get these guys who are hyper creative and, and really excited to express themselves in this medium. And you know, I think Kirkman is having an effect on people. And look at how much dialogue and and how much discussion this has fired up. All you know, throughout not not just fans, but you know, there's a lot of creators talking about this. And and I think he is going to get people thinking about it and getting excited about at least putting their toe in the water a little bit deeper than they may have before. So I think this is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then when uh, he gets everybody fired up to create all these new properties, let let him come back and make another video and try and come to terms with the distribution thing and let's try and get those books out there <laughs> outside of Diamond. There yeah. you go. Amen. I wonder Preach. what Jim Ballant yeah. thinks about all this. <laughs> who? Jim he Ballant. said who? Oh. <laughs> the tarot. Yeah, formerly, though, of uh, Catwoman. And Azrael, right? He probably did. I'll, I'll, yeah. yeah, both Catwoman and her, and her tits. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, now he's got tarot in her right. tits. But uh, I do have to say, we, uh, well, I had uh, talked to Steve Bryant today, and, and I said, well, if we have some time, I'll try and get you on here and give us your thoughts. Because there's we can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but it, a creator 
let's be honest, knows a little bit, has a little bit more insight into it than I think we do maybe. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I told him if we have some time, we'll bring him on. And obviously you didn't hear him. So we, uh, got a little bogged down and I didn't really know a spot to pull him in. So sorry, Steve and, and Sal, we were going to have Sal on too. Mm -hmm. We just got, uh, we just got too into it and, uh, things went south. So, uh, Steve and Sal will have them on, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cuz uh Steve always has a uh, a good uh viewpoint and he's very passionate about the subject and and just floods the message boards with uh wisdom and Sal is Sal. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I, I I've I've talked enough for 5 episodes, so maybe I'll uh maybe I'll let Steve or uh, or Sal sit in for me next week. Oh, look at that. Well, I'm going to be Let's vacationing see. next week, but I think I'll be able to swing I'll swing the episode. Since I'll hey, maybe David and I should do an old. We even started with the bullpen bulletin theme song. <laughs> ah, I don't know how to draw uh, Sue's hair hairdo. Ah, ah. Next time I'll draw her bald headed. Any any parting thoughts or leave? Are we really are we really parting? Do do we not have anything else we can discuss about this? Oh, I'm sure we could go for a few hours, right? But. Yeah. Get it out of your fucking systems because after this week, I ain't talking about it no more. I'm sick of it. No. I, I have a bunch of comics I want to talk about. And before, ooh, before I, I forget, um, I promised Andy Jewett something way <laughs> back at Wizard World Chicago. Uh, I was given a copy of a creator owned book. How about that? By, uh, Mr. John Kulsar. It's called The Wicked and Imp Motor City Comic Con Special. Mm-hmm. It is a big, uh, I've been slowly, uh, going through it because it's very thick and it's, it's just loaded with, with, with story. It must go about 200 pages. Uh, I was given this and this thing knocked my socks off mm-hmm. and I promised Andy and I guess indirectly John that I would talk about it on the show and I'm going to do it next week. So I did not forget Andy and John, uh, next week, Wicked and Nymph Motor City Comic Con special. This thing is ripped right from this guy's id. You gotta see this book. It's crazy <laughs> insane. It really is. I, I like it a lot. But, uh, so, like yeah, I lot. forgot about that. I like it a lot. Sweet. Well, yeah, did we accomplish anything tonight? No. Other than stating the obvious? Well, I no. think we probably entertained our, our, our faithful. I got a uh, That's what it's all about, I guess. Form, right? I think they probably I, I, were entertained. By our I back. think we lost Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tim bowed out uh, on principle because a it's too long and b we started shitting on the future of the LCS. So I'm sure he. <laughs> but he did. He did have the. He did have the stones to uh, enter into the uncharted territory that is territory that is the Bendis board and state his uh, his make his opinions known and. Yeah, shitstorm, man. <laughs> but you got to give the guy credit. He loves comic books. He loves, you know, the medium, and he'll just go anywhere and brave any, uh, any. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but he'll he'll defend him. So you got to give it to Tim. Give it up. Uh. Yeah, I don't want to end. I'm having fun. Well, yeah, I, mean, I have to say, I hasn't been as contentious as I think we probably all joked it would be. I mean. We, no, we, all, no. we all actually see much more eye to eye than we don't. I just think that we have different. Right. We have different views as to whether or not things that are being discussed are reasonable fixes or not, or well, steps in know, right and, and I think a lot of it is what we actually want out of comics in the end. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Bendis kind of wrapped up uh, his 
his talk with John talking about Kirkman's uh, unrealistic utopia, you know, of this, you know, kind of, and kind of laughed it off as this, you know, kind of like free love, everyone's going to be successful if you go off and do your own thing world, which certainly is not realistic, but um, I, I think on, on, the, on the flip side that, you know, that Bendis's the quote unquote Bendis plan is not exactly realistic either. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I, and and you know, from my perspective, as as soon as somebody mentions creator owned, it's like showing me boobies. I get real excited <laughs> yeah. because that you know that's where I uh. sorry. <laughs> That's where I come from. I, I'm a creative person, and the prospect of, of ownership is very important to me. So that was a, a major factor in my total agreement with Mr. Kirkman because ownership is good, and, and, and giving back to those that create for you is very good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, he, he could have came up with the most outlandish plan. I think I would have jumped in with him because it all hinges on, on ownership. Do you guys? Do you guys personally, and and I know there are exceptions to to each you know each thing that we talk about it. But do you generally feel like you're getting a, a writer's true voice whenever you're reading their creator own stuff? Do you feel like it's more more them whenever mm-hmm. you're reading it? Well, I've touched uh, on this with you, I think, in our back and forth this week on email, and that I think it's really to me a case by case because. I'll be honest with you. I I think, like, let's take Fraction. I mean, I think he would admit, and his diehard fans would admit that Casanova is his passion, right? I mean, that's that's his thing. He well, loves one, Casanova. One of uh, one of his. No, passion. no. But I'm saying that's his. I mean, he he loves Casanova. It's his voice. He said he, you know, he's made the statement he wants to write Casanova for as long as he possibly can. Um, but for me personally, I've enjoyed his. Marvel stuff in general, particularly Iron Fist, more than I enjoy Casanova. Now, that's just personally. On the flip side, Rick Remender, who we're all very much big fans of, so far, at least from what I've seen, I much, much prefer his own stuff, like sure. Fear Agent and End League. I think it's it's vastly better, and I view that as his voice. Um, guys like Hickman, we haven't really... I mean, he's going to do some Marvel stuff. I don't think we've seen enough of him. Jason Aaron, again, I think it's tough. I've, I think Aaron's done some really quality stuff at Marvel so far. But I do I think it's just a really good fucking writer. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> do I think it's as good as, as Scalped or The Other Side? No, but it's very good. I mean, I think it's it's very good, and he's just getting his feet wet. So I think he's doing both. So to me, it's case by case. I think um, – I, I mentioned this to you. I think that for me personally, I, I buy Powers, but I like – some of Bendis' Marvel stuff better than Powers. On the what, flip what, side, what, what, I'm what hard pressed his... to say that Brew Baker's Criminal isn't his best work. I think it is. So, oh, uh, oh Criminal is absolutely Brew yeah. Baker's best work. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> what what of Bendis' work at Marvel? Um, and then open this up to everyone. What of Bendis' work at Marvel do you like better than Powers? Most of it. His new and Mighty Avenger stuff. Yes. Really. Mm-hmm. And I Illuminati. Think, I, I and think Alias. Team, I think his team books are terrible. Mm, I don't. Uh, I've never read Powers, so I, I'm out really? of this one. Yep. Uh, you're not a big like police procedural guy, are you? Nah, not very much. Okay. 
Unless it's Sarah Pizzini. Then <laughs> hell yeah. It's, it, Powers is pretty fucking good, Vince. Read Witchblade. Read Freak uh, Angels. Yeah, no, it is. If Powers, <laughs> Powers, dude. Powers is pretty fucking good. It's no, I, yeah, I, 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 I think Bendis is. Um, I like his stuff whenever he uh, is writing one character um, or a small cast. Uh, the it, whenever I read New Avengers or Mighty Avengers or any of his big Marvel stuff, I don't feel like I'm reading Bendis. It's um, I don't I don't think he's I don't think. That he is flexing his his strongest muscles whenever he's doing that, um, you know where I, where I think like John's John's does awesome team books, um, but I, I don't know that it's just it's just a personal preference. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really hard to say because we we can't we can't be in the minds of these individual creators when they're when they're coming up with these books yeah. because there there is a stopgap in. Uh, uh, corporate characters that kind of limits the the things that they can do. No, I mean, I'm well, hey, I, 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 here's here's a Kirkman point. Are you guys reading Brew Baker's Uncanny X Men? Yes. No. Wouldn't you rather see him working on a creator owned project? Oh instead? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would, but but X Men pays would, the bills. Would that for better serve the industry? Yep. He's he's obviously better than than. Than what he's writing for for Uncanny X. Well, I think that the the best example of that is Warren Ellis. Yeah, I think Ellis phones in not everything, but yeah. he phones oh, in fuck, a he, lot. He admits it. He admits yeah, it. He does, that's yeah. the thing. He phones it in and he gets away with it. And I think he doesn't phone in most of his own stuff because he it's, he's passionate. It's his own stuff. So I think he's a great example of that. Um, but it just so happens he the stuff he phones in is better than a lot of what. No, people... by the way, I was thinking know, of something. People. We really we. It would be remiss of us not to at least acknowledge all this talk about the big two versus creator owned and stuff. It it's, I think we've been somewhat unfair to DC in particular because um, I think at least to my mind, guys like Brian K. Vaughn, Brian Azzarello, guys that are doing Vertigo stuff for a long time now are putting out some of the best work in comics. It's not superhero stuff, but it is a DC property. But it is creator owned, so I think it's a little DC gets a pass well, because of Vertigo. Marvel, I was going to say, so it's kind of been unfair Marvel of us to, to blame. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it has been a little unfair to exclude Vertigo from because I, I do think, frankly, what some people I don't think indie guys consider Vertigo indie, but I I think it's not. You know, if they're they're definitely for the most part not superhero mainstream books, and I think many of them have been the best stuff that's come out. I mean, as I said last week, Fables to me is the one comic that I couldn't not buy. Um, right. So, and... and, and here's, here's my question to you. Sure. If Vertigo did not exist, would a book like Fables be possible? Yeah, absolutely. At would it? Would it? Would it? Would it have continued... Well, yeah, at Image, okay. But, but would it have continued... Would it have the longevity it's had if it didn't have a major player like DC behind it. I can't answer that only because I don't know the financial, the difference in the financials that that Buckingham gets from, um, Willingham and Buckingham get from. I think that that Fables would have close to, if not the same amount of success if it was published by Dark Horse or Image that it does at Vertigo because I, I don't think that at that level of the industry... People pay that much attention to 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 
the imprint. I think. What does Fable it, sell? I I don't know. I, I no, no, none, none of us know. No, no, no I think, because I think, Fables is so strong in trades, the, and mm-hmm, we're right, not yeah, we're not true. privy we're not privy to that. Uh, seriously, whenever Kirkman said that every one of the Walking Dead trades had sold a hundred thousand copies, it blew my fucking mind. Because the, guys, mm-hmm. that that's information that we're not privy to. That's a lot of paper. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot of green paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, we are over the two-hour mark, and I don't want to stop. Wow. So, so let's just keep going. Just uh, <laughs> David's like, <laughs> it's like where, where are Jim over. and Sean? <laughs> note uh, on tables and, and on page thirty-two. <laughs> Brian Hibbs, you know, he gets that book scan data, which is the missing piece of the conversations. The reason we don't have book scan data readily available is because it costs a lot of money to get that yep. data. And and so not and you're not supposed to talk about it if you do have the data. But Hibbs every year somehow gets away with <laughs> putting one article out where he, he leaks pieces of it to talk about the book market for comics. So I just did a quick Google search, and you could probably winnow this down if you search it as well. But I just did a quick search on... Heidi McDonald, the beat, I guess, back in February, talked about Hibbs's analysis, and just there was a talk of fables. And um, although I don't have the full numbers here, there is some discussion that, for example, Fables' first trade has gone through seven printings and has sold well over a hundred thousand copies in the direct market. So, awesome. I mean, the indirect oh, well, market, the, yeah. the bookstore, the market, sorry, the bookstore market, right? right. Uh, so, uh, you know, I can, and they're evergreen titles, obviously, that keeps so I. I you know, Telling you, man, so, books, bookstores, bookstores are a much bigger player in this thing than we have any idea. Right, especially manga. That's where it's at. Yep, yep. <laughs> Not anymore. Hey, but are in bookstores? Are you absolutely, absolutely? Pop, yep. It's cut off, laid off half their sales. Their their workforce. Right, but. There's a there's a much larger problem at no I know I'm, I'm, I'm kidding I, I know manga right. so I just don't like manga so Chris and I are, are of like mind on that front <laughs> it, it, it is Again, sheets. part of the problem Chris we're not part of the it's, solution it's sheets <laughs> I'm 35 years old I like superhero comics and manga is sheet oh David what are we gonna do uh, <laughs> David do you read any manga oh my god well it's nice to know I'm listened to when I'm on this show. <laughs> Wait, I don't know the answer to that. Do you? Yeah, he does. You do? Yeah, yes, I do. What do you think? Wait, Isn't you really do? David? I didn't know that. Why am I supposed to know that? I don't think we've talked about that on the show. Yes, we last have. Week, last week, just you last about week, manga. we talked what? about Monster in the past. Because when Chris asked, oh, I forgot. Sorry, I don't even consider my. I forgot about Monster. Sorry. Yeah, that's manga. I, sorry, I had some. So you're right. I forgot about that. I mean, if you're talking, see, you know, I almost wish that that it wasn't called manga and was called comics because that's what the stuff is. Isn't manga you know? the the word for comics? Yeah, Isn't it's a Jap- right? Yeah. Right. They should just call it, you know, just call it comics mm-hmm. because there's a stigma attached to the word manga. You you expect certain things that are not present in every single property. You know, mm-hmm. like whatever. Like, I could give Chris ten manga books that would make him a fan, but he won't make that first step to read them. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I've read four volumes of Death Note. Ooh. You didn't like it? It's it was okay. <laughs> he made it through four. I would hope he he didn't hate it. And, no, and you I, don't want to know how it ends. 
Um, I'll get there eventually. You know, Vince, it's the same as just about every other. It, it was incredibly simplistic. It, Death it, Note? Yeah, it's very. It was very. Pre- well, it was predictable. It, the, oh, you the, say predictable? You know why? Because you have not made it to Volume Five. The book is not predictable. It, it, the whole book changes with Volume Five. It's. I think I've the status. Yet. The, the, the status quo just flops. The amount of, of convenient coincidences, it, 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 it's, the, the writing's terrible. It, it's, it's, oh, Jesus, right in the nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. it, 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 and, and that is monger. That is monger for me. It's usually terrible dialogue, interesting core oh, concept, but terrible, terrible plotting. Terrible plotting and terrible scripting. Damn! Wow. Oh, well, you could—I mean, you could also nice say that about pretty Chris about, about, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, Vince. They're—they're—they're they're, they're like comics from thirty years ago. It's, it's, the ones—the it, ones you have been subjected to. Yeah, you—you you haven't seen Monst- all of Monster. Um, Death Note. Um, I read some Fruit Baskets. Some full. Oh no, some, that's some, not. You're not the full, audience. Some that. Full Metal Alchemist. They are. They are foreign comics from 30 years ago. The the the. Okay. Go ahead. Keep keep talking. No, I read just Akira, and it's okay. Read yeah. read. Uh, there there's there, in the, especially in the horror genre. There's a a bunch. Read uh, Battle Royale. That's not horror, but well, kind of is. Read Battle Royale. It's 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 okay. awesome. Tell him, uh, tell, 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 tell him who adapts it. Keith Giffen. There you go. Read Dragonhead. One of the okay. creepiest. Okay. You you give me one. Here's the Vince B. Oh, I can't whittle. Chris I can't whittle it down to one. Buttonheads challenge. You get because I've been reading a lot of horror comics. Lately, so I'm I'm in tune with this right now, and it'll be good to good to compare the two. You suggest, and you can you can do it next week. I, I don't I'm in no fucking hurry to read it. So <laughs> you 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 come up with one fail safe suggestion of a horror manga that you think I will like, and I will go out buy it, read it, and give you my honest, unfiltered opinion about it. Oh, guys, I got a little something for you. But I'll let Vince answer the challenge first. Well, I think we should we should pass that challenge on to our listeners on the and especially the ones who uh, visit the forum. In all seriousness, I would love that dot, because I didn't give the address. Forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. <laughs> Come to our forum and suggest. Does it have to be horror, Chris? Um, understand. I've read Death Note. The holy fucking grail of manga in a lot of people's opinions and it's okay i wasn't blown away i've yeah you heard the ones that i've read I, a horror manga might actually appeal to me doesn't have to be but monster which people were melted brains out there it was <laughs> bored the fuck out of me mm-hmm. so What's the one that uh, Dark Horse puts out? Uh, Psycho um, MPD. MPD what is it? MPD Psycho? That's really good. No, is that, that um, is that manga or is that is that American? No, that's manga. Or, or is, that's is, manga. It, is it Japanese created? Yes. What about okay. Naruto or Bleach? Oh no, 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 no. Those those are geared towards Naruto. Would turn him off manga forever. Well, speaking of Naruto, that, that would be the that would be the nail in the coffin. Going full circle here. Speaking of Naruto and book scan, 
uh, I did find Hibbs. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know how he gets away with this, but he did in a lying in the gutters column. Uh, Rich Johnston somehow or another got the Excel spreadsheet with all of the 2007 <laughs> book scan graphic novel data back in nice. February. And I did find it. It's still so. I just I downloaded it and I have it here in Excel. So this is the graphic novel category for Bookscan, which you know is is I, at least according to my understanding, is about seventy five percent of the U.S. book market. Um, uh, this is the numbers for graphic novels. Uh, it, it's pretty stunning and overwhelming, I guess, to someone who doesn't read manga, just how many of the top spots are dedicated to manga. Um, sure. In the top ten, the Naruto is first, third, fourth, sixth, seventh, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, seventeenth, and twentieth by itself. Right. So um, the number two book. It also has a very popular television show. Okay. To back it up. That's number why. two last that- year um, of graphic novels was Frank Miller's Three Hundred. Mm-hmm. It sold. And then this is just BookScan, but again, as my understanding is, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, BookScan represents about 75% of U.S. bookstore sales. Frank Miller's 300 sold. Anyone want to take a guess? How many units? Uh, uh, um, 100, 130,000. More than that. Uh, 72,328 copies. Okay. For gross revenue of $2.2 million. It was the top grossing book it because because naruto is much cheaper on a per yeah i was gonna say yeah i the the numbers that don't surprise me because that that was thirty dollars yeah uh dark tower gunslinger uh was the the number two non-manga graphic novel i think it was what seventh or eighth by my eyeballs i don't have the numbering and uh that sold 50 just under fifty-two thousand copies just oh, to the bookstores. That's nothing. Yeah, oh, you know, okay. no, no. Just, Vince, just to the bookstores, Vince, though. Vince, Vince, when did that come out? That's that didn't. Come yeah, out that here. came out. Uh, what it that came, came out? out it came out summer, like right? like October. Oh, here you go. Yeah, it came out seven eleven. So in five months, it sold fifty two thousand copies in five months in 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 three quarters of the bookstores. So you round that up, you say it sold about seventy thousand copies, give or take, in U.S. bookstores in five months. Now we could look at the direct market, but it it would it would it, it, they're selling many many times more than it sold in the direct market. Um, let's just go down here. Still uh, not all that much for something with Stephen King's name on it. Okay, well Watchmen, which has been on the list, my understanding it's been on the the book scan list for twenty consecutive years. Uh, it sold forty five thousand copies last year and that's without the movie this year as we've already seen bookstores have ordered i think what 300,000 copies already this year for it it's, so it's it's already going to a printing yeah. of uh, of a million mhm that's awesome that's so you awesome. Can, i mean talk about awesome uh a bunch more manga here god naruto puts out a lot of volumes jeez bleach too bleach yeah. is on here a lot so is some other manga uh, hey 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 you were going to say crap <laughs> no no i just don't know the don't uh pokemon and Death Note and I, I think that I think that list is gonna is gonna be very interesting after the the movie blockbuster year that mm-hmm. we've had. And I also wanted uh, to point out another thing. Um, whenever you say that's about set, what would you say seventy five percent of the bookstores yeah. out there? Most of those are your Barnes and Noble, Walton, Borders, that that kind of stuff. So what that isn't is a lot of the independent booksellers and a lot of your you know your specialty independent. 
book folks, they sell a lot of graphic novels, mm-hmm. and they sell a lot of the the independent graphic novels. You know, we yeah. uh, I, I'll never forget Marta and I went up and down the the coast in, in New England um, earlier this year, and we stopped into a lot of different bookstores. Marta is a is a big time reader, and every time we'd stop in a little New England town, we'd go and and go to a couple bookstores. Every one of them had fun home in it, you know, and that that showed me how different graphic novels are breaking out of traditional distribution. So I think those book scan numbers, as accurate as they can be in giving us a bigger picture of things, certainly don't tell the whole story because there's a lot of other books out there that are selling maybe not even in the book scan markets. Well, reading a little bit about this, I guess the biggest omission in BookScan is uh, Walmart. Um, Walmart accounts for 15-plus percent of all U.S. book sales, but they don't. How about Amazon? Is that in the BookScan numbers? that is in BookScan is my understanding. Uh, I could be wrong on that, although I do believe it is. Um, I just did a search here for Walking Dead. Three volumes of Walking Dead made the list last year. Uh, The top-selling one was Volume 6, which came out in 7... So it came out in uh, July. That sold 8,200 units last year. Walking Dead Volume 1, so that was a couple years old by then, sold 8,100 units. So you figure Kirkman selling in BookScan 8 to 10,000 copies of every one of his trades at a, a minimum to bookstores. <laughs> so you figure he's, now eight, he's got eight volumes, so he's probably pretty conservatively selling eighty to 100,000 trades a year. Um, <laughs> Ad infinitum, and probably yeah. getting a couple bucks of that. And, so he's doing and, well, quite well for uh, himself. Hey, a couple bucks, dude. He ain't paying for for the whites at the Marvel offices on that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm yeah. saying, but there's yeah, I'm, I'm right. It could be more than you know, he's got to pay for printing and distribution. You know, oh stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's paying he's paying for that kind of stuff. But he's, I mean, that that's a lot of his point, which was very interesting mm-hmm. to me. You know, we we don't hear that many quantifiable numbers. He did say one thing that I thought was very interesting, and that was you can make about the same money on a creator-owned book at Image if you sell thirty thousand copies. As you do if you sell 150,000 copies of Batman. Right, it's about a five to one. He was implying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. yeah, I thought that I thought that was I thought that was interesting. And there aren't that many people that work on books that sell 150,000 copies. Mm-hmm. So not many at all. Not many. Yeah, at all. well, probably what four four people in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sell about well, that. Good old Chris bringing it on home. In the home stretch, bringing it oh. back to Kirkman. Nice job. <laughs> I am. I am nothing. Oh, not you know, <laughs> going into the home stretch, I was. I was into it, and then you get you brought up those numbers, and I just. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gone. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> All right, people. Thank you for joining us this week. And uh, next week, it'll be back to the same old, same old mishmash. Whatever that is. Just, just plain old comic talk. So uh, thank God. Let's yeah. Let's say bye, and I, I hope we've entertained you and maybe gave you something to think about this week. Just like Carol Burnett, was it Carol Burnett who said that? You know, I made you laugh and think. Yeah, I think so. Doesn't doesn't matter. But anyway, I'm tugging on my ear. We're out of here. Uh, see you next time. <laughs> night, folks. Night, folks. Night, folks. Night, folks. Night, folks.